Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Hello. And if things sound a little bit different, don't worry. You clicked on the right podcast. Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. Things are a little bit different right now. If my va- my voice is booming right now, it's because we had a little change up at Affirmative Murder Studios. Don't worry. I'm joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, what up? Yes, wait a minute, oh, what? Mr. Postman. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post on. Yes, that's right. We got official <laughs> live sound effects in the building right now. Your T-shirt uh, money is going to a good place, folks. And while we're on the subject matter, shout out to y'all. So that's the wrong button. Yeah. Shout out to y'all. We sold 51 out of 50 shirts. Demand is still high. The campaign is unfortunately over. But I just want to give a shout out to everybody who bought a shirt. It is much appreciated. That was a really cool experiment that we did. And we went over 50. We sold 51 out of 50 shirts. Um, they will be going out on May 20th or start going out to all the people who ordered them across the country, you know, everywhere. I want my shirt now. Well, you can't get it. It's not, it's not up to me, man. Somebody reached out to me and asked, like, hey, man, can I get a shirt? You know, I, like, I don't there's no I don't have them. Oh. I don't. There's no box of them somewhere. Oh, yeah, They're not yeah, coming yeah. to me. Yeah. They're gonna come to everybody who ordered them and spa- packaged up in a little, you know, s- specific package for each person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how the campaign works. Unfortunately, I don't have any physical shirts to give to anybody. If I did, I would be still. It would have been. It would have been no end. Yeah. You know. Um. But yeah, no, friend. Comment, man. What is going on? You see the new shit going on. You hear that new vibration yeah. that's coming out of your out of your mouth into these mics, man. Shit is booming. Shit is a little bit different. Shit is a little more smooth. A little yeah. professional. Yeah. Um. It's cool. I come walking here. He's like, hey, man, like, you know, we got we to change the plans. I'm like, what? I'm like, all right. Because you told me it was coming, but yeah, yeah. I figured it may come earlier. It's here. But walking here, got new mics, got new headsets. Uh-huh. It's crazy, man. Got drops. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's wild. That's the friend drop. <laughs> that's the friend drop whenever, you yeah, know, man, whenever like, friend is in the building. If, he, if he's in the building, you will hear that drop. That's just. Oh, yeah, it's Mr. Postman. That's right. It might be hard for you to keep your fingers off of that thing, man. I know, it's very tempting, man. <laughs> it's very tempting. I, I got access to all kind of stuff. I can play music live. I got this on ready to go. Yeah. In case shit gets seductive, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's a good time over yeah. here. I got some other ones plugged in here. Maybe they'll make an appearance today. Maybe not. Yeah. But either way, 
Shit has come a long way. This is awesome. Yes, man. I was listening to our very first episode Ugh. last night. Why? Because I, I hooked this up and I just was listening. I was like, oh, it's going to be crazy tomorrow. Like the sound quality is better. We have, because for a little behind baseball, any sound effects that you've ever heard on this podcast, I've done in post. So yeah. I have to just guess and read the moment while I'm listening back to the audio we recorded to be like, let me throw in this here. Yeah. But now live in the moment if there's something awkward there's something conspiratorial whatever i have sound effects ready to go fran can hear them when we yeah. play music whenever we play music to go on break it's never we don't hear the music yeah that all changes today yeah it's all done in post i just put the music i just say a song i'm gonna play and then i put it i put it in post yeah just for some of you guys if i'm sure you probably already don't already don't know some of the stuff that he puts in, I don't even know until yeah, the episode, until comes, episode out. comes out. <laughs> it, it, it sounds, it, it, I've made it work a lot of times where it sounds seamless and I, it, yeah. it fits in, but he doesn't know, there's no, no. Uh, you know, damn, or nothing. That, that doesn't happen in life until now. Yeah. Shit has changed. Yeah. But, you know, enough of us, uh, you know, you know, S in our metaphorical D's on, you know, this leap that we took. Yeah. I wanted to get into a, uh, only have one real topic that I wanted to talk to you about. I don't, it could either go long or to go short. I don't know. But uh, this whole Boosie Gate thing, Lil mm -hmm. Boosie, the rapper, came out on his own Instagram Live. Instagram Live, if you have stuff to lose, just really think about what you put out into the world. Because yeah. jeopardizing your own career, it's one thing if somebody digs up some old shit on you that you said when you didn't know the mics were hot or whatever. Yeah. But when you go, go live and put your own career at risk, it's something you just got to feel stupid to yourself. It's like it only you did this. Mm -hmm. And Boosie went live and was talking about how he's preparing his sons for manhood and he got a grown woman to fuck his 12 or 13 year old son. Yeah. And proudly like, yeah, man, that's what you're supposed to do. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm making sure he turns out to be a man and all this kind of stuff. It was very homophobic and very much like, you know, this is how well, he, they are homophobic. Yes, yeah, so, well, Boosie, yes, yes, yes. Boosie <laughs> has Boosie. Boosie is as 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 close minded and country and all those things as you can get. It. And he just is very ignorant to anything that's not in the bubble of Boosie world. Yeah. But this was the thing that it's like all the people who, when he kind of attacked Dwayne Wade for his stance on his child and all that kind of, all those people are like, see, we we already told you this was Boosie. We, mm -hmm. we already told you who he was, and now he's just said something that's gone across the line. Yeah. And um, basically, yes, what I, what he said was how he he got a woman to fuck his son or suck or suck his son's dick or something like that, and she sucked my dick too, and my nephews, and he really just went on like this is how it goes. And Mark Lamont Hill, who I like a lot, I don't just I don't agree with everything that he has said or all his views, but he says a lot of stuff that I agree with. He wrote a very good op-ed on the situation, and it starts off basically saying, if you're one of those people who are like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he said it kind of wrong, but like, I get what he means. It's like, then you don't even need to read this any further, mm -hmm. because what this is statutory rape, and it is leading to the culture of hypersexualizing black men from a young age. Um, it's one thing if, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know anybody that lost their virginity at 12. You, you might... It happens though. Kids, kids, kids experiment. Kids go out and do all kind of things like that. Yeah. But it's one thing for that to happen, and maybe your your kid comes home and he goes, "Yeah, Dad, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I got caught having sex at school or something like that." And you go, "What, man? You're grounded." But then you go in your room and you're like, "That's cool. I don't know." You know, if you if you feel that way, you go, "I don't know. That's that's kind of cool. I don't know." If if you as know, a parent, if, you mean? As a parent, okay. I'm saying if, if you know, that's one thing. Yeah. You know, and even that is kind of like maybe you should have a talk with your kid about what sex is. Don't don't just go like, yeah, he's out having sex. Cool. Yeah. You know, have a talk with your kid and explain to him what sex is and what sex means as opposed to being like, well, he figured it out. Cool. Early yeah. 12. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but getting somebody to have sex with your an adult to have sex with your kid that's nuts. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And uh, I just probably when, money was involved. Sure. Oh, I have to assume. Yeah. I, I don't know what grown ass woman is. I like. Well, it's boots. Well, now nah, never mind. I don't know. This clout thing is crazy. Yeah. Like maybe a girl is there. Are girls out there that would be like, I'll fuck Boosie, son, if I get to fuck Boosie. Yeah. That's the kind of the times we live in. It's like uh, notoriety is more valuable to people than money these days. Oh so. yeah. That is absolutely possible. That was free. She was like, "Yo, y'all fuck him, the nephews." And I'm like, can I fuck you last at the end? Like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'll boot, I'll boot. <laughs> uh, but I just thought that was such a it's it created such a weird conversation because people were very much like trying to defend him on eggshells. Like, yeah, I know it's 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 weird, but it, it's not rape, rape. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it is. It's statutory rape, man. That kid has no. Even if a kid, I think that for men. And black men specifically, we live in this world of like, you got to get sex, man. It's, it's like, it's, it's, you know, you're not a man if you're not out here having sex. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you made that decision for your young kid, even if he is interested or, or uh, curious about sex, mm-hmm. that's his journey to take. It's not your job to like step in and make it happen. Yeah. You know, like your, your kid is going to do whatever he does and that's the journey of childhood. Like, that's the journey of becoming a man. You you figure out what you like. You figure out a girl, boy, whatever that you like, and you pursue that. To mm-hmm. Because what child wants to disappoint their dad? You know, let's say that kid didn't want to have sex with that girl, but it's like, my dad's this big famous rapper. He's got me in this room, and yeah. he wants me to do this. Who can say no to their dad? You know what I mean? Like, in a situation like it, it, it that situation is the same thing as if your dad's like, I want you to play football. Even if you don't want to play football, you're probably going to play football because your dad wants you to play football. Yeah. it's But this is about fucking an adult. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. And I just thought the whole thing was such a weird a weird uh, position to take publicly. Yeah. You know, we didn't need to know that. But now you you made it our, our information to have, and it's super gross, man. Yeah. I just, uh, it, it was disturbing, man. Like, you know, um, people's parenting techniques. Yeah. And this whole uh, this whole uh, thought process of like, if I get him to have sex with a girl now, then he'll be straight. I think the outcome that he got was not what he wanted. What he thought he was no. He, I think he th- I think he genuinely thought he was talking to his audience, and all yeah. his audience thinks how he thinks. And he's like, you know how it goes, man. You know, same thing happened to me. You yeah. know, and and uh, again, it's I think that black people deal with trauma in, in weird ways. But what what he was. Saying out there is like it's nothing new because a lot, a lot of people that came out was like, oh, I know that. I had older yeah, brothers oh, that, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I know it's, yeah, yeah. I know that Boosie isn't the per- this is like, oh, this happened at Boosie's house. Like I know come this out is, publicly though. Is, yeah, it's it's fun. one of those things where you know once you put it out into the world, yeah, you're opening yourself up for judgment. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm not saying it was right to do. But what you do in your house is, and, and you don't tell it to the world, that's your business. This was something that Boosie did, and whether or not he feels like his kid enjoyed it or whatever, that's between him and his, and his son. Yeah. And there are plenty of older brothers who have done the same thing to their younger brother. You yeah. know, you, you know, you're having a, you know, outside everybody's playing t- tag. And I've been in these situations. Yeah, I, yeah. I understand, uh, you know, a bit peer pressure from an older kid that you respect and admire. It's like, yeah, man, she'll do it. Yeah. You know, or, or whatever. But when it's your dad, that really can bastardize your idea of what sex is and what a woman is even. Cause it's like and parenting and, and yes. Yeah. And it creates a re- weird relationship between you and your dad. It crosses a line that shouldn't be crossed, yeah. but also it, it bastardizes your idea of what a woman is. Like it, you can just buy a, like if you want a woman to do something, 
you can just pay her. There is no uh, nothing that a woman won't do. Yeah. A woman fucked me at 11. You know what I mean? Like, that is what he taught his son that day. Yeah. And he didn't need to tell that to the world. Um, as a parent, what do you... What are your thoughts on on this? And a, a new dad of a son. Oh no, that's gross. Yeah, I don't, my dad. I already know from because when I was younger, maybe like uh, uh, what was it like? Probably midway through high school, uh-huh. beginning of high school. My dad was like, "Ain't gonna be no girls coming over." Yeah, like, you got you ask. Yeah, I gotta be home. Uh huh. Or was like, if it all ain't no babies, then no babies coming around here. It's just yeah. it was just like my dad wasn't. My dad's old school too, so it's yeah. like it's none of that. Be just gonna be cool. It's, there was no friendship. I'm the dad, and exactly. I have rules and here. That's it. I'm no, the I'm, dad. Yeah. You're the son. There's yes. no. I buddy, feel like buddy. him and his son got that. That friendship, like they're f- friends more than they are father and son. I think. I think that, but I think it's interesting to see, the, children of. Who are the or the are the product of the post crack epidemic. Of you know all these this this mass flooding of you know mass incarceration that happened to people mm. who were born in the early eighties mid eighties late seventies mm. their fathers weren't there and then they grew up in the nineties raised by their mothers and you know living the street life and you know a different set of rules and now we're seeing those people as forty year olds and adults yeah. who had no father figure were raised by their mother who probably you know had to do what she had to do to to keep the house uh you know the lights on and yeah. they kind of raised themselves mm-hmm. and we're seeing those people's parenting techniques yeah. i think that's very interesting to see because i'm kind of a product of that my mother raised me you know fortunately i had a mom who was you know attentive and and all those kind of things and and you know she worked a lot but i don't know i i had a good family structure or whatever yeah. where i wasn't a victim to like well, there's no father here, so nobody can tell me what to do. But a lot of people were products of that. Mm-hmm. And those people are now, you know, 35, 40, 45 years old with that street mentality. That's yeah. just how they were brought up. Man, yeah, man, we out here. We we fucking da 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 My kid's going to be a gangster like me. And and that's just, that's their brain. That's yeah. how, that's what their brain went through. That's the lens that they saw the world through. So they have no other way to, I would think you would go, I don't want my kid to be, go through what I went through. But some people... Who not, love not that if you shit? Not out successful. Yes, it's different. But there's levels of success. Like not everybody's boosy, but maybe you hustled and made a lot of money and didn't get shot, didn't get killed, didn't go to jail, and you made it to the other side, and you got a functioning, you know, drug type of business. That's success too. And that yeah. person is like, this life was good to me. Yeah. I have no reason to say I don't want my kid to live this life. Yeah. I I lived it successfully. So yeah, go out, fuck at thirteen, and have a kid at fifteen. I don't know, have a kid young, then you grow like me, like me and you. You can have a kid young and then we grow up together. That's I, that's ideal to a lot of people in that situation's minds. Yeah, I like that. I have a kid at 15. When I'm 30, he'll be 15. Nah. Then we're like boys. Nah, that's not. that's a lot of people's mentalities, man. That's it's crazy, but it, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And Boosie is a product of that. No matter how successful of a rapper he is, he was put on a pipeline early in his life that led him to be the person that he is and money can't change that. Yeah. And he thought he was talking to a bunch of hymns. Yeah. Y'all know how it is. You can get your kid fucked early, you know? No. That's what that was. And it was interesting to see because he's had this kind of... Boosie's always been around, but the whole Instagram thing, he's been very viral as of late. Yeah. And he's being introduced to a new audience. And he's had some moments, that thing at the Planet Fitness where they kicked him out because he had videos where he was talking about gay. It might've been the thing about D Wade's son. Yeah. And he's had a lot of virality in 2020, yeah. some good, some bad. 
A lot of it lately has been good, though. He's been very entertaining on Instagram. So I think he upped his value socially yeah. and then bl- just blew it up. Yeah. Was like, yeah, man. Oh, y'all like Boosie? Y'all like my lifestyle? Cool, cool, cool. You know how you get your kid to fuck an adult? Wait, what? Yeah. You know, and that's what happened. I don't think this like ends Boosie's career, but I think it puts him back where he was. Yeah. Which is like a street rapper. I just didn't like the whole D-Wade thing. So I was like, I just, I never cared for him that much anyway. Yeah. But it just was like, my so much around because yeah. you know how Baltimore is when somebody's hot. And yeah. It, and talking about the streets. They, yeah, 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 it's yeah, like, yeah. it's a big thing. Yeah. After the D-Way, I was like, eh, well, it's whatever. I don't really. Then the, it's like, then the Planet Fitness shit. I'm like, why don't you have your own gym? But you know, That was just me <laughs> talking shit. <laughs> so why are you going Why are you going to Planet Why are you going to the judgment-free zone? Why, are you, why don't you have your own judgment-free zone at home? Yeah, that whole, that whole D-Way thing was, you know, that's, an, that's it's not an issue. I, I feel how I feel on it. But, you yeah. know, people have their feelings about it. But the point is, for you to say those things that you said about D-Wade and his parenting techniques and then you come out and say this, it's, it's so hypocritical and crazy. And then and your son of, follow up behind you with, with stuff. Yeah, like, it, it just, it just, it's all a mess and crazy yeah. and um, gross and I didn't like it at all. But anyway, yep. uh, I didn't get a chance to, you know, ask you, man, what's going on, man? How's everything going? Everything cool? Oh, everything's been good. Um, the weather's been up and down. Yeah, uh, man. I think that they were just hot. Hurt. Yeah, it was crazy hot. I was just wearing pants like a couple days ago. Literally. Yeah. It went from like 30 degrees to now it's 85 yeah, degrees. Hot as so. shit. Um, everything's been good. Family's good. How about yourself? No complaints, man. Um, the the home project uh, thing has, mm-hmm. has has slowed a bit. I think I've hit all the ones that I really want to hit. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, anything I do now, I'm just forcing it. Yeah. And I don't want to force you it. You don't want to do that. I did talk to my barber because Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, said everything's open. And then I guess some Except district. barbershops. But he said... With appointments, you can. And then some other dude named Johnny O, I'm not aware of, I'm not really good with local politics, but I yeah. guess he's like, I don't know if he's a district, whatever, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, never mind. That's not happening. Not yeah. in Baltimore City, not in Baltimore County. So I had an appointment with my barber, and now he's telling me, yeah, man, I'm, you know, you got, might have to come through the back door. Oh. It's like, you know, on some Underground Railroad type shit. I'm getting a bootleg haircut. I'll wait. Nah, Are man, I go? can't. Yeah, I can't wait, oh. man. I look nuts, bro. You ain't got nowhere to go? It's not about that, man. See, people piss me off with that logic, man. Well, you don't have I get a haircut go? for me. I get my car washed for me. Okay. I'm, I don't, I, you know, Sierra, it, we are good. We are yeah. locked in. Yeah. I'm not trying to impress any girls out there. I get it. It's for me. Okay, I get I it. I need a haircut. I get it, but this is about your safety and you coming back home and she's not calling you ugly or anything like that, so what's the big deal? What's about safety? It's one person. He has a, a barbershop. It's a But you got people going in after you and before you. What do you mean? Oh, man, come on. Don't, don't, look, man. Right, man. I, I just, need it. I just I, want you to be safe. Wait, well, okay, well, let me ask you a Because I'm, I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists or anything like that. Okay. I, I, coronavirus is real. People are dying from it. Yeah. But when are you When are you going to wait till? Me? Yeah. Well, like, Until you, my barber goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm be back open. Okay, cool. But do you think he's now doing between... Getting a haircut Monday and whenever date you're talking about, you think he's like disinfecting the barbershop. It's like nothing different is going to be happening. He's just waiting for somebody to tell him he can cut hair. Yeah, but and that's, that's just he's going to so hit me just, up and say come through. But that's just a um uh, a legal matter, so he doesn't get in trouble. It has nothing to do with coronavirus. Like, which is fine. You're still as likely to get coronavirus. It's the same situation. People coming in after you and all this kind of stuff. But just the the governor said you can now. Mm-hmm. But so what's the, it's not about coronavirus for them. It's about I don't want to get fined. Yeah, but you can still get the virus though. You don't but know you can who's still, coming you in. You can still out. get the virus when they say you but can go. I, I have more. I have more confidence going in there when everything is clear. When but why? Like, what do you think your barber is, is going to do differently? But 
It doesn't matter it is, what my barber like, If anything, it's more if the, dangerous because everybody can come. Out, if the governor comes out and saying, you know, we can reopen everything. Uh-huh. Obviously, they've been keeping up with CDC rules mm. and stuff like that. And they go, we're clear. I go, mm, I have okay, more confidence. I see. Okay, it's because now I see how you're trying to make me sound. I, mean, I got something for you. I see what? how you're trying to make me sound. You want me, you want me, you want me, you want me to be the guy that's sounding crazy. And look, man, I'm not one of those people. I'm not some conspiracy theorist person. No, no, don't, don't do that to me, okay? That's not what I'm trying to say. But you are, though. No, no. Yeah, I am. Okay. But I'm not saying well, coronavirus is I'm not saying coronavirus isn't real. What I'm saying is, how are you not more likely? To get sick, if that's your concern, okay. when everybody can go to the barbershop as opposed to going in through the back door. When it, so it's now less people less people are gonna go in through the back door. So you're you're, you're less sneaking likely to- in for a haircut because yeah, it's not legally, listen, man, because it's look not at legal. me, man. <laughs> look at me. I look because like the not, Django. You are fine, it, man. You got nowhere to go. You're in the house chilling, man. With me. Let I the, have to let look it at grow me. Just let it grow out as long as it can or whatever. What? Fine, man. You all right. You look good. You want me to? Oh, you want me to look like a goddamn crazy person? You look good, man. I, look, That's you're good. fine, man. Thank you, man. It's I not like you're growing gray hairs and all kinds of shit, man. You fine. I, don't, I wouldn't lie to you, man. I don't like it, man. And if I call my barber tomorrow and he's like, "Yeah, you can come through," but you just got sneaking through the back. Oh man, look, I'm I want you just, back, I just want man. you to remember, man. Sneaking it. Th- I'm not gonna say his name on here. Wear your, sneaking it wear your the back. mask if you go. Wear your mask. Of course, I'm a, your mask. Come on, man. You look, Hand man. Do I gotta do it again, man? What do you think? I don't got a mask. You know I got a mask, man. Don't do that right, to me, I, man. I, I of you, course I'm wearing a mask. But you got to come back home to your lady, man. I don't want you yeah, to come back here right, with germs, don't man. Do, don't do that. Make sure you leave your shoes outside. Make sure you hand sanitize oh, when you walk in the door, man. Unbelievable. I don't want you, you trying to make me sound. I don't want you to get trying sick, to make man. me sound like I'm just I'm one of those people outside with the signs saying it's a lie. And yeah. I'm not that. I don't want I'm you just get, saying. I don't want you getting sick, man. I need a haircut, man. If you get sick, then we can't come on here and record and all kinds of stuff. It's just uh, it gets ugly, man. Don't you, don't you, don't you. Hold on, man. Because you see what you're trying to do. You see what you're trying to do. Don't you threaten me. Threaten me? Did you just threaten to not come and do the podcast if I get my hair cut? If you get sick, yes. How dare you, man? Don't ever man. threaten the livelihood of this podcast, man. We are soaring on top of the world. We got live sound effects, yeah. man. We just sold 51 out of 50 t-shirts. And you want to threaten me yeah, over man. a haircut? I don't want you getting sick, man. I don't want to get sick. Help. I don't want to get sick either, man. But shit is rough out here, man. All right. Shit is rough out here. Now, think about it, man. I will think about it. But if he says coming through that back door... I might. I want you I send might. me a text and go, friend. You think I should go? I'm like, nah, I don't think so, man. Well, you, I, I think you should know hold your, out for I me. already know your stance. I will hit you up. I'll get your opinion on it because you do have to come here. It's a, I respect yeah. that. I do yeah. respect and, that. Yeah, and if you get something, I gotta come over here. I respect. High five and whatnot. Okay, man. I gotta go home. I know, man. Okay. Uh, don't bring the kids into it. Right. I got you. <laughs> Listen, before we go to our, uh, take our break, I want to inform people. I made an announcement on social media. It's been a while, but Pete Wentz Watch is back in full effect, okay? I believe that we can get Pete Wentz to give us a genuine review of this goddamn podcast. It's been three years in the making, okay? Fallout Boy, Paramore, the whole alt-rock scene has been very important to me and Fran. Yeah. And Pete Wentz is a black man in that scene, a prevalent voice. He's super cool, or was. Great hair, great eyeliner. <laughs> he had great hair and great eyeliner. And I think he would, if not, in, I don't even need, I'm not saying leave us a five-star review. I'm saying leave us an honest review. I would take Pete Wentz going, this podcast is dog shit. Fuck this podcast. I would appreciate that just as much as a five-star love this podcast review. Tweet him every day. You got. You heard, friend. You heard the call to action. Go out, tweet Pete Wentz every day. Yeah. Pete Wentz, why aren't you listening to Affirmative Murder, man? We just need you to listen to one episode, preferably one with this new sound effect system. Yeah. And give us an honest review of what you think of the podcast, give man. Uh, Panic Disco Drop or something like that. Maybe they like that. Uh, 
that he's not in Panic at the Disco. Oh, what what is he in? He's in Fallout Boy, man. Oh, what are you doing? You embarrassing me, man? Oh. Come on, how's he? What if he listens to this? What are you doing? <laughs> he doesn't even think we know the band he's in. Well, here, no, you're more fan than I am. I'm oh, a I'm a Haley Williams Kermore fan, oh so man, come on. It's crazy to say. Come on, man. Panic what, at the Disco. What's the, what's the ones that say "Ha Ha Hopes"? What's, what song is that? That's Panic at the Disco, oh, man. Okay. He's not in that band. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, man? Pete Wentz, disregard Fran, okay? He doesn't know the, he doesn't know the epicness of Fall Out Boy like I do. Yeah. But folks, get out there, spam him, let him know. Affirmative murder. We just want your input, man. We just want to know what's going on. Let us know what we can do better, what we can't do better, what we're rocking at. I just want to know, man. I need to know what you think of the pod, okay? Pete Wentz, watch is yeah. back. I kind of don't give a shit of his opinion, but you know. This is for you. What are you doing, man? What if he hears you? What are you doing? You're ruining it. He could be listening to this right now. What if he's listening right now? He heard you say that. He's listening right now. He heard you say, fuck Pete Wentz, man. I didn't say that. That's basically what you said. No, that's not what, what said. I said. I said, I don't give a shit about his opinion. And, his, and it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, and it he doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't. It, it, come on, man. Does he, does he have a podcast? I don't know. Okay, then. He doesn't have any room to give out tips. <laughs> No nah, man, shout out to shout out. Oh, to thank, yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks for clearing it up, man. Listen, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. By request, um, you heard Sierra. She's um also. Oh, I didn't even make a commentary on the new music. Um, what'd you think, friend? I didn't, you know, I, we had discussed it, but that was yeah. that's kind of the new music. Um, I want to let it go for a couple of episodes, yeah. and if people don't like it and they like the original music, this is somewhat of a democracy. But if at the end of the day, if you like it and I like it, it's probably gonna. I like stay. that. I didn't know you was gonna add. You know, yeah, so I just I wanted to put a little flavor in like and, and and uh Sierra, I don't pay her to do anything. I refuse. Yeah. I paid her and she was able to make a request. And Sierra wanted to request the uh, you know, the outro music, which we can hear live in the moment now. Yeah. Uh is Christine and the Queen's people. I've been sad. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit live and in the flesh. Uh enjoy this song and uh we're out of here for a second. All right, and we are back. Fran, it's your turn to go first this week, so please, the floor is yours. Yeah. So my affirmative murder this week is about Lloyd Avery II. Oh. Have you heard of Lloyd Avery? No, I've heard of Lloyd. You know, 5-2 and fine 2 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is Lloyd Fernandez Avery. Okay, the Fernandez. So he's not Lloyd, the rapper, no, the no, music no, 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 superstar. Okay, no. cool. Lloyd Fernando Avery II. Fernandez Fernand- Avery. Is a junior. The second, yep. Okay. Yep. Junior, if you will. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right thing. Me either. Okay. I thought you just made that up. I, I did. I okay. So, Lloyd Fernandez Avery was born June 21st, 1969, oh. and grew up in Los Angeles, California. Oh, I'm sorry. I also got this story from True Crime Database. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, 
So he grew up in Los Angeles, California. The Avery family lived in a quiet middle-class neighborhood in View Park, and Lloyd was raised by a Christian was raised in a Christian household, receiving a good upbringing and education. Whilst attending um, Beverly Hills High School. Oh wow! Yeah, Lloyd and his younger brother Che were of they were African American and Mexican descent. Okay, like Kid Cudi. Is he that's is he his, Mexican? That's his combo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. Actually, I think his dad is black and Mexican. He's a quarter Mexican because his dad is black Mexican and his mom's black. So okay. he's a quarter Mexican. So he's not half and half. No, he's not half and half. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. But still, I didn't, I didn't even He's like 70-30. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and his brother's name is Che? His brother's name is Che. Okay, I'm at, Yeah, so um, him and his brother Che are African-American and Mexican descent. And both wanted to break into the world of acting. Mm. In 1991, he got his big break when he was the cast in The Street Thug Knucklehead Two, that's the name of the movie. No, 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 no. That was his. That was his. Oh, cast. that was his. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard <laughs> he of that one. He was cast as a as the street, street thug, thug knucklehead, knucklehead two, knucklehead number, number two. two. Got knucklehead it. Number okay. two, and John Singleton's movie Boys in the Hood. Oh, yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. No, yeah. I am I am familiar with this story. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which depicted gang culture and lives mm-hmm. of three young African American growing up in South Central Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. The film followed the friendship between Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character uh, Trey Styles and the and the Baker brothers, played by Ice Cube and Morris mm-hmm. Chestnut. Rest in peace, John Singleton. Too great film. Yeah, yeah. And what he died last year, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. And Snowfall still's not finished. I hope they do a good job with it. He was the director. Yeah, he like created the show. It's a show. Yeah. Oh, is that what uh Mark and Mark in it? No, no Snowfall is a it's this black British dude. It's about um like. L.A. in the what 80s when, when crack hit. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Snow, I was trying to get, help you. Like, snow. Uh, I guess it's snowed in Three Brothers. There's snow in it. Snowfall. Is that what it is? Snowfall? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's on FX. It's, a, it's, a, it's, hmm. it's about the crack, okay. it's about the crack uh, epidemic. Yeah, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> but it's John... <laughs> rest in peace, John Singleton. Is, <laughs> and Boys in the Hood is a great... You saw Boys in the Hood. Of course I did. Yeah, okay, so, okay. Yeah. so you know that. So a great film. Rest in peace, John Singleton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so one of his um one of the film's most memorable scenes, Chestnuts, uh Ricky Baker. Ricky! A promising football star, and Gooding's character go to the local store to pick up groceries. Mm-hmm. Um there they spot a group of blood affiliated gang members led by Ferris, one of whom was played by Avery, mm-hmm. and the two split up to escape any trouble. Yeah. The gang members eventually catch up to Chestnut's character, yep. who was tragically murdered. Mm. Avery's gun toting um, gangbanger is seen leaning out the window one of the most famous pictures with the sawed off yep yeah. um, leaning out the window of the and, Ferris Bright red oh. sports car that sport, and he wet him up that, you know what car that is I it's a Mustang up. right no that car is a Hyundai what yes that's a good looking a Hyundai <laughs> that's you a said it's a Hyundai wow yeah, a that's Hyundai. a good looking it looks like a 5.0 Mustang yeah maybe that's just me that's such a crazy gangster scene I'm like they must be in a cool yeah. car it well, looks Mustangs like such a not, cool car Mustangs are not full doors so. I don't even, you know, I don't even, <laughs> there's so much going on in that scene. Yeah, I didn't register yeah. that he was th- at the back. Yeah, I just knew yeah. he was out a window with the sawed off yeah, and yeah. wet him up. Oh, that's such a sad thing. Bring yeah. him home. Oh. Um, so, yeah, he was laying out of the bright red uh, sports car, shooting Ricky twice in, with a double barrel shotgun, killing mm. him instantly. So, you know that. You, I know you know the famous picture. I'm sure a lot yeah, of people yeah, have yeah. seen the movie. People have turned it into, picture. like, shooting memes at people yeah, yeah, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So towards the end of the film, Ice Cube's um, Darren Doughboy Baker seems revenge for the death of his brother mm. and enlists Trey to help him. In a moment of redemption, Trey Styles heads head the advice 
um, of his father and returns home. Mm-hmm. Baker goes through his window. This is just for people that haven't seen the movie. Yeah, Larry, Larry Fishburne. Yeah. yeah. Baker goes through um, with his plan and catches up to Ferris and and his gang outside a local fast food restaurant. Oh, so he's in that. Yeah, I guess they're getting revenge. So he would be in that scene, too. So yeah. He's so you see his face so clearly in that scene where he shoots Ricky. Yeah. That I don't even register Remember, him any other point in the scene in yeah, the movie. You know, yeah. it's because that scene is so big. and Everybody. Yeah. Just, um, yes. As they as they attempt to flee, um, they are cut down by the shots from an AK-47. Mm. Avery's character is killed outright. Um, whilst his fellow gang members, Ferris, is executed by Cuba's by Cube's doughboy. Mm-hmm. So, um, his part is his, his part is done. He's murdered. <laughs> He's yeah, yeah, died. Yeah. died yeah. As um, <laughs> knucklehead but, number uh, crazy knucklehead number something like that. Knucklehead, knucklehead number two. Knucklehead number two. Got it. Um, by his part, I mean it's like his part wasn't that big. His role no. wasn't that big, but it, he was an extra. It was big though. Like, he was a featured extra. He had some no lines, but he had a big part to do. Yeah, but he was an extra. Yeah. Um. So in. So the aftermath of Doughboy states his under understanding of why his friend chose to leave before the murders and explain how he how he too will soon face retaliation of his actions. Mm-hmm. The film represents themes of revenge and gang culture prevalent in Los Angeles. Cycle of and violence. And will go on to become a critical and commercial success, mm-hmm. being nominated by Best Director and Best Original Screenplay in the 64th Academy Awards and was selected in 2002 for preservation in the National Film Registry. I'd love to see what movie won Best Picture that year over that movie you know what i mean like yeah because that movie was him and spike lee who he's a direct kind of descendant of like mm-hmm. you know style wise have made some movies that no matter if they didn't win awards and everything like that like uh um the fucking uh that movie that spike lee did uh where they burned down the neighborhood because they killed radio raheem i can't remember the name right somebody's fucking yelling at this at their uh phone right now yeah but it's so it's such a screenshot of a moment in history. Yeah. Like, you know, what police violence does to a neighborhood. And yeah. Boys in the Hood, I'm not from Los Angeles, but I know they got it right. You're watching that and you go, this is what it's like to live in inner city Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, it felt accurate. Yeah. And and it, you can't beat that on and, film. And um, realness. What, what year did that movie came out? I want to say 95. Um. Just, actually, boy, actually wanna, Friday probably came out in 95. That's what I, that's what I was that's It might I was be asking. like 92. That's what I was it might have been like 93, 92. Boys in the Hood, right? Boys in the Hood came out in 91. Wow. Yep. Wow. Do the Right Thing is the movie I'm thinking of. That came out in like 89. Spike Lee. And Friday came out in 95. Yeah. So he was hot. He was already he was already hot. Ice Cube was already doing his own thing by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 91. Yeah. Jerry Curl Cube. Yeah. Yeah, big good movie, man. So anyway. Yeah, yeah 95 is what probably where he probably cut the cut the curls off yeah he's like I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to change the image up a little bit you yeah. know yeah but that that image of ice cube is like oh that's that's the ice cube i like to that's the gangster ice cube i don't like to think when of, I think like, of ice uh, cube i think uh, of him i don't think of a uh friday or no, uh, uh, oh the uh two uh the, the family movie yeah yeah no i don't know <laughs> I, I don't i don't i like to think that didn't happen he's too gangster step, what is it step i don't know stepdad it's like know. long trip or something road trip road, something uh, like that yeah, i don't yeah. know but i like cube Socks hat, Jerry Curl hanging out the back of the socks hat, yeah. black champion sweater. Yep. That's the cube I like. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Avery's character, despite having only appeared in several small scenes, will make him instantly recognizable yeah. because of his notorious role in the film as a member of the Crenshaw Mafia gangster. Mm. So not long after the film's release, Avery shocked those closest to him by moving away from his middle-class neighborhood and reloading, relocating to an area known as the jungle. Oh, so he dove right in. Yeah. He went to Beverly Hills High School, right? And was yeah. an actor. It was an actor. 
And now, and now he's like, and I'm he's, moving to the slums. Yeah. Well, what happened was some of his he wasn't picking up as many as many gigs. Right. And it is gonna it's gonna explain. Um, but just what I wanna I'm just say this now because it, it this doesn't come up in this article it comes up in another article I read. But uh-huh. he was just like he as time would as time would pass he was picking up less gigs. Right. And he was just like um. What he said, one of the quotes was that if I can't be famous, I want to be infamous. Oh, yeah, that's dark. Yeah. That's dark. Yeah. So wow. he so he just he wanted to be the successful he actor. He wanted to be known. Just, yeah. By he wanted to be successful, but he just it it wasn't going the way that he thought or he wanted it to go. Right. So he was like, I'll take I'll take fame by any I'll take fame for being evil, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah, so Avery shocked those close to him by moving away from his middle class neighborhood and relocating to the area known as the jungle, which Explains for itself. Yeah, that's, that's um, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, <laughs> the heavily blood-affiliated neighborhoods of Crenshaw Boulevard. Every time, just Crenshaw is just yeah, that's Rest the only peace, thing yeah. you just. Rest in peace. He, he put that neighborhood on his back, man. Yep, literally. Um, neighborhoods of Crenshaw Boulevard and Coliseum Streets, uh, Santo Thomas Drive and La Brea Avenue. Mm-hmm. Louis seemed to embrace the culture of his new home and had the words "jungle" tattooed above his left eyebrow. Ah, oh, such a commitment. And this is the '90s, right? Yeah. Nobody, people. If you had a face tattoo in the '90s. You were really about that life. Yeah. Now it's like white kids in the suburbs with, uh, you know, Everybody hearts, tattoos, red right? hearts under their eye. But in the '90s, people could assume you might have, you probably murdered somebody yeah. if you had a face tattoo. Because you're like, you know, it was just like you like threw your life away. Yes. Like you just now it's like I'm a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Malcolm Norrington, who played Knucklehead Number One alongside Avery's Knucklehead Number Two, mm. and Boys in the Hood, recall his co-star during filming. He was kind of meek. He was not anything near the street guy. Yeah. Um, Norrington said, "Within a year of Boys, I was hearing about him missing auditions. I don't remember when I heard about him joining a gang. Mm-hmm. I just remember being perplexed. Being perplexed to me, it was like, what is he? What is he doing? Blooding." Yeah. Um, was talking about Lloyd. Right. So despite his newfound status as a gang member, Avery continued to land small bit parts in the 1992. In 1992, he played Red in January 8th, 1992 episode of Dangerous Reunions of a hit is. television show, Doogie Howser. Okay. Um, Doogie Howser, MD. He played a gangster in that? In Doogie Howser? Yeah. Wow. Th- that was his role. Yeah. He didn't- yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. pretty much it. He's like the Mexican dudes from Next Friday, where those dudes are Mexican cholos in every movie. And everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the following year, he was cast as Thug Number One in another singleton, singleton film, Poetic Type- Justice. Typecast. Um, starring alongside his brother, Shay, oh. who played Thug Number Two, so him his brother got in there, um, as well as Jenna Jackson, Regina King, and the late Tupac Shakur. Mm-hmm. And um, what was his third acting role? Yeah. Didn't love poetic justice. Yeah, like why not? It I want to hear this. It just it didn't resonate. Like it, you know, you know, it's some like hood classics where you go, I could watch this over and over and over again. Yeah, like you know, South Central or you know, um, uh, Boys in the Hood or Friday or yeah. um, what's the one with Kane? Uh, fucking, mm. Kane. With Kane and Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, I can't. It doesn't matter. Never hood movie. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's so it's it's don't be a menace to society. Menace to society is don't be a menace to society yeah. while drinking whatever. Yeah, the yeah. Way they made fun of that movie. So yeah, menace yeah. to society. Poetic justice didn't. I wasn't like this movie, man. I'm gonna watch this again. Yeah, it just I, it was all right. I didn't love it. It just wasn't something you would watch over. Yeah, no, I, okay. you know, I, I've seen it. I, yeah, you yeah. Know, but it's I, when it's on, I'm not like, oh, I gotta watch this from start to finish. Poetic yeah. justice is on. Um, I made a skip to part. Oh yeah, so that's when um. Yeah, so he was in, he played Thug in Poetic Justice. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but his work was erratic, and he wouldn't appear in another film until three years later. So wow. again, it was just over time, yeah. it was less and less. Because he wasn't like a feature actor. He was he was playing a very specific. If they were doing a gangster movie, they probably would call him to be a guy that shoots somebody or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you doing when you're not doing those movies? Yeah. Nothing. Being actual, <laughs> being a blood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then it wasn't three years later till he uh, appeared in another film when he starred in an uncredited role in the Wayne's Brother 1996 crime comedy film. Don't be a menace to society. Um, he was don't in be that? A, don't be a don't be a menace to got South Central while drinking juice in the hood. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so long. It's such a, that title is just yeah. so funny. It's like I thought it was ending, but it wasn't. Ending. <laughs> so the film was a parody of the movies like Boys in the Hood and Poetic Justice and Menace to Society. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a small role, Avery played a guy in the backseat. That's, that's oh wow, that was, <laughs> wow. I was like, I'm like, I don't remember him being in that. Yeah, that was his because he was that minuscule in the movie. Yeah. Wow, okay, he was yeah. just a guy in the backseat. Uh, Would you even call these roles? You know what I mean? Do like you get, my ask my question is: Do you get paid for those type of? Not nearly what Sean Wayans and Marlon so Wayans get are getting paid. paid. Yeah, yeah, you get like paid what? if you're on a set. Like let's say, let's say if you're on a set, you're an extra. You might get paid like you know a uh, hundred dollars for the day, mm. depending on if you're a featured extra, which somebody that has like a line or when he shot that person in that in that thing, he got paid pretty decent to do that. Now, not again, not as much as Morris Chestnut got to be in the movie and get shot yeah. in that scene, but he might have. Let's say. You know, they had to film that over a couple of weeks or a week or so. He might have he made a couple thousand dollars for doing that. Yeah. But when you go to just being the guy that's like <laughs> in the corner. Yeah. That's a person that they just get off the street. <laughs> and this thing that they're talking about, unless they were doing a nod to the boys in the hood scene. Yeah. Which I don't remember in Don't Be a Menace, the Sean Wayans thing. Mm-hmm. Him doing like, you're going to you're going to parody the scene you did in Boys and Boys in the Hood. Yeah. I don't remember that scene in that comedy movie, but if that was the case, they might have paid him pretty good to do, you're going to do that thing you're famous for. Yeah. But it sounds like when we say guy in the back seat is like, I don't know, they could have got anybody maybe to do it was, that. Maybe it was one of them little small things where you had you had to see the other movie to be like, oh, that's the guy he that's was That's what in. I mean. Yeah, yeah they're, doing, they're doing the Boys in the Hood thing, yeah. but I don't remember. I've seen that but movie I, a but ton I'm of saying times. Not that they wasn't, you know, repeating that same scene. I'm talking about if somebody just catches and goes, oh, that's the guy the, from Boys. The, yeah. That's even less. Yeah, you're not getting paid much money for yeah. that. The fact that he's like these roles, like these aren't roles, man. You're not making like sustainable money to do these. Yeah, I think he thought like he must have thought I'm gonna be the next Denzel Washington or something. Like my time is coming. Yeah, because these aren't. I wouldn't call these roles. That's what he set out. These are you don't even have names. Yeah. I, he, he's not been. He plays Marquise or Donovan <laughs> or it's like guy yeah. dude. Thug, <laughs> he's not. These aren't credited roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he played. He played um, guy in the backseat, and what would be his last acting role for the next four years. So Avery emerged back in the scene, back on the scene in 1999, starring as, um, starring as Man in Jail in Eric Meza's comedy film The Breaks, and in later 2000 as Nate in the critically oh, acclaimed film Lockdown. Nate, not familiar with that movie, <laughs> but finally he got a name. Yeah. So before taking so between ninety one and two thousand, you just named maybe six things that he did. Yeah, that's starve. You're starving as an yeah. actor. I think that's probably it. You're that starving as an actor, and one time you got a name. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he appeared as Nate in the critically acclaimed film Lockdown before taking part in what would be his last role as the character G Rod. Avery played a menacing yet charismatic gang member in two thousand one independent film Shot, which documented life on the. Document life on the dangerous streets of South Central LA. Mm-hmm. Avery will, Avery will also serve as a technical advisor on the film. 
working <laughs> with director Roger Roth and perhaps over offering up his own experience of gang related yep. life in the jungle. I figured that. Yep, Avery would even have a prominent appearance um, on the movie poster. I don't know that movie either. Technical yeah. advisor. That's like, no, nah, when you say blood, you got to really put the ud in it because it's blood. That's oh, what that's, he, that's his job his, description. Yeah, he's like, oh. he's there to authenticate the gangsterisms in the movie. Oh, they couldn't get anybody else for that? I get for the movie that they're doing for cheap uh, independent. Yeah. Yeah. Never that's mind. what they, <laughs> <laughs> never mind. It's like the game isn't going to come and do this yeah. for $60 and some food. Yeah. Uh, so around this time, his career suffered another drop and his acting work dried up. He was becoming even more embroiled in the LA gangster culture of drugs, guns, and violence. Mm. In 2005, he became involved in a real life gang related incident when he participated in the members and the murders of a two drug dealers. So, he was really living that life. Yeah, so um, he doesn't talk about this in this film, so I had to, I mean, in this in this article, so I had to go to another article. Mm-hmm. But on July 1st, 1999, around 4 p.m., Lloyd was at a shopping center near the jungle um, when he was involved in an argument with a woman named Annette, Annette Lewis. Mm-hmm. So Lloyd put out a gun and shot Lewis five times. Oh! And then shot a man named Percy Branch in his arm and his stomach. So Lewis died shortly afterwards, and Branch died a few weeks later on July 23rd. And they fa- they found this out later, cause you said it was ninety. He went on and did movies after this. Yeah, in nineteen ninety nine. Just nineteen ninety nine. So he didn't get caught for it then. No, not okay. Then, no, I'm no, no, no. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, I thought you were gonna say she survived. Even then, I'd be like, he's in jail for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They didn't catch him then. They he got away. Him. Okay. Yeah, he got away. Yep. Um. Uh, okay. So his brother Shay remembers the last night he spent with his brother as a free man. The two were sitting in a two-car garage of their grandmother's house in Crenson Heights Boulevard near Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. As they sat, talked, talked and smoked um, hits from a bong, Che recalled his older brother saying, quote, I have, I've had a good life. Um, and as they continued to smoke weed, his brother um, Avery went on to say, you want to hear, hear something crazy? And then Lloyd, that's what Lloyd asked Shay's brother. But his brother was like, no, man, yeah, I don't no, want to. <laughs> That's me. That's me. When I see the life you've been living for the last 10 years and you go to, I'm like, I don't want to know if you're selling drugs, if you killed someone. I am not an accomplice. Yeah. So he said, you want to hear, no. hear something scary. Not Lord at all. Him, his brother knew that Los Angeles, but he knew that, but people, the Los Angeles detectives been coming to the house before this. Oh, so he had a, he had a, so he already knew. He, he just did. was like, man, I don't even, don't even know. tell me. Don't no, tell me. Don't, I'm good. I don't even want to know. So, but his brother knew that the Los Angeles detectives had been searching for his brother to speak with him. Mm. It seemed like he wanted to get something off his chest, but Che was worried about what he he what he might what he might say. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah, it's what Chase was what Chase said. If and you don't poor, tell me, I can't get on the stand, and I don't want to have to testify against you. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he said, "I don't want to hear. I want to hear that shit." Che muttered and pulled out a pocket knife, brandishing it in the air, indicating he wanted to cut the conversation short. So he what like, oh, he got into prop just, comedy? I felt he put out idea, like, he was just like he put cut out like it <laughs> out. Like, like, what do you mean? Like <laughs> whatever that I felt like he just like was talking to him and like put out a butterfly knife was like Do you know what nah, man? man? I don't cut it. So that was hilarious joke. So that was man. just like a, a inside for him and Avery to go, Oh yeah, he doesn't. He does this is a cutscene. What a weird thing to do. Like me and you having a conversation, I pull out the scissors. I'm like, you know what, man? Let's cut this. Let's cut to the chase. What are you doing? What? Right. Let's cut to the chase. <laughs> I have this on me. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, so it was indicating that he wanted to cut the conversation short. So nothing more was said that evening, and Lloyd spent the night sleeping on the floor in his grandmother's bedroom. Now, they was in a good neighborhood, 
But this is a full grown man. He sleeps on the floor at yeah. his grandma's house. Yeah. That is in her in her bedroom in Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was thinking when the A-Navy's in the hood, I was like, don't everybody sleep that way? But I was like, Yeah, but this is Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah, I, I slept on many a floor for sure. I, I, mean, I, I like, get it. I mean, like, when I read it, I didn't, I forgot that his grandma lived in He's the He's like a stone throw away from Beverly Hills. Yeah. He's like, all right, thanks, grandma. I appreciate it, yeah. blood. Just sleep okay. on the floor. Okay, Lloyd. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so the LAPD were aware of where Lloyd was hiding, was hiding out, and the next morning they moved to make an arrest. Yeah. So Chase said he remembered the helicopters that, that morning were louder than usual. There were lots of traffic outside the house. Lloyd was in the kitchen with his bike, and before he left out um, through the back door, he gave his brother one last hug. A bike like a bicycle? Yeah. Um, he was going to run. That's what I think was a bicycle. <laughs> but <laughs> Running from a police chase. Exactly. Imagine if that scene instead set it off, instead of a Queen Latifah being in a, a fucking drop top, whatever, yeah. she was on a bike. She was on a bike. would have been a lot less epic. Yeah. He's riding away. You bring the bling, bling, yeah, bling. Like smoking the Every day. She's lighting cigarettes. Bling, bling. Yeah. Zoom, zoom, zoom. She starts pedaling towards the police. That would have been like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> that would that actually would have been a better scene. I, now, I'm, now that I've created the picture in my mind, that's hilarious. No. <laughs> no. She gets shot. She's that still on the bike. The bike's Terrible <laughs> ending. Uh, yeah, so, but nothing. Um, so he gave his brother one last hug, but nothing more was said about the um, previous night. Oh, the conversation he had. That sounds crazy. So he made his way up Crescent High Boulevard, making a U-turn where he pulled alongside the driver's side door of a police cruiser. He then brazenly leaned forward and asked the officer, what's up? And he, <laughs> as as he released the grip uh, on the handlebars of the aluminum m- mongoose. Wow. Just then the officer opened the door and Lloyd stumbled momentarily before recovering quickly. Oh, so like the, co- the cop like opened the door to hit him with the door? Uh, I'd assume, yeah. Uh, so he lost balance and then recovering quickly, speeding west in an attempt to elude the, per- it's a the car. pursuing police vehicle. He wasn't he s- speeding. Yeah. <laughs> he was on was a bike. bike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he soon collided with another vehicle, oh. po- another uh, police car, and was placed under arrest for the double murders. Oh. Yep. So instead of being instead of being a Hollywood, Hollywood-like studio gangster, he was living, he was living it. Yeah. Said Che. My brother turned into a for real, a for real, for real gangster, mm-hmm. he added. It appeared Lloyd Avery never got over playing Knucklehead Number Two, which is and with th- when I read that I felt like that um, is an epic scene though. Yeah, like that you could get you could go fame crazy when all the hood dudes are like, "Yo, that's dude that blasted the dude in Poison," and like, "Yeah, shit, I am that." Yeah, but also it's like I feel like how how do actors be able to turn off that switch, Some especially like big time actors like uh, Denzel or Some like that's what happened to fucking Heath Ledger, man. Like when he did so the he Joker. Just, yeah, yeah, he got depressed. He was doing fucking, you know, dr- drugs and all this kind of. And he put he put on an amazing performance. Was it before that or after that? He died he before died. the movie came out. Oh, so, so it was like somewhere in the after the movie was done, he did all this to go to this dark place and never could come out of the dark place. Yeah, some people can't, some people can't do that. Some people would. I've heard stories and accounts of actors that are like, yeah, I was fucked up for a while after doing that movie. You know, that's crazy. Leonardo DiCaprio did the Revenant where he was, you know, it was the whole thing about that movie was like, it's real. And he, he crawled inside a bear and cut it open. Like, I'm sure he, for a little bit, it's like, you just, your, your brain has to switch back. That's crazy. Tom Hanks, when he was, when he did fucking uh castaway, you're the only person on this Island and isolate. You have to get in this mind state of being like, I'm alone and crazy. And it's, 
you might be fucked up for a little bit after. People make these jokes about Hollywood and they all get paid all these millions of dollars and their job isn't hard. But it's like, if you're a real thespian, you're doing shit to your brain to you get into turn, that you gotta, space. You got to turn like a whole different personality. Yeah, man. That is Denzel crazy. Washington can't do some of the monologues and amazing things he's done without going somewhere. It's not like you can do yeah. that. It's not like I can't do that. Like yeah. he, he has to prepare to do that. That's crazy. So sometimes, yeah, you probably can't snap back. Now imagine... You do this crazy now. He didn't have to prepare much to fucking put put point the gun out of the window and everything, but the acclaim that came from that. Yeah, and I'm talking specifically like in the hood. Yeah, he was the dude that had the craziest scene in the craziest hood movie. Is yeah, man, come on, blood, you can come. You want to come get a beer? Yeah, it's that you're getting that kind of love. So it's like shit. This is fame. Let me chase yeah. this. I'll be the best this and get all this love. Yeah, you know, because hood love is can be dope sometimes. You know, some a lot of people have fallen prey. To not let ever want to leave the hood because the love is when you get when you got real people going through real struggle embracing you yeah. calling you to people's chant that's what happened to Nipsey man yeah. I'm not saying he was addicted to it but it feels good when the people that you grew up with recognize like yeah man you doing it man oh you making us look good man he was getting that even though he wasn't from the neighborhood he's like oh, okay they like me they they think I'm representing what they go through yeah and he so he dove further in yeah I just that's that's crazy though for you to be able to turn it off it's just that's wild. Sometimes you can, sometimes yeah, in Lloyd Avery's case, he couldn't. Nice. Yeah. Um Do so you think he got do you think he actually got put on the set or you think he like he didn't get jumped in? They were like, No, nah, this dude from You can be a blood. Nah. You think they really jumped I in? Think, no, no, no. Oh. I think they like It's like, look, we can we can say we got the dude you know, from Boys in the Hood yeah, in our game. That, that fantasy where it's like they watch something and go, Oh, this is real. Yeah. And then they, they go, Oh, he's about they see him, yeah. oh, he was about that. So you just come right in. Yeah. Especially but I think that's especially if if you get recognition and then you start acting like it, and then when people run into you, you already done took on that whole role, real life. Yeah. And they see like, oh, he's really like that. Yeah. I feel like, like that's a situ- a case of that. This yeah. was a case of that. Yeah. Where he, his reputation preceded him, and he was like, okay, cool. Well, let me just this works. Yeah. Let me just yeah. do this more, and I'll. This is great. Yeah. And I thought he probably was go- he thought he was gonna get bigger roles off of that. Yeah. He's like, I think in oh, his yeah. mind, he's like, the more of a gangster I am, they'll when they do the Who Created the Bloods movie, I'm gonna be the I'm the guy. The star, yeah. I'm the the gangster actor. Yeah. So if you need a gangster, it's gonna be me. But you know what? It wasn't. It turned out to be. You know, it's this dude that's in like the wood, and he always plays somebody's uh, like older brother or mm-hmm. anything. He has like a Jerry Curl. It's a really small guy. I don't know his name, but he's he's like a journeyman actor. He's like in all the hood movies, and he's the most like yeah. And when I say hey man, listen, like it's the most California dude. He was in all the '90s movies, all the early 2000s movies. I think he thought he was going to be that dude mm. who if anybody who's listening, probably a black person, if you've seen, I think it was the wood. I believe the wood was like all of them. They grew up together and then one of them's getting married and they would flash back to, to them I being. Seen that movie, no. Well, there's a dude who uh, this guy, he smacks this girl's butt in school mm-hmm. and then she's like, I'm going to get my brother to beat you up after school. Mm-hmm. His name was Tracy in the mo- or Stacy in the movie. That dude is who this dude thought he was going to be. This mm-hmm. dude was like, whenever they needed a dude to be like, yeah, man, I'm a reformed gangster, or I am a gangster, or whatever, and I got braids, and I got a red flag hanging out. They called that dude yeah. in the late 90s and early 2000s. I think he thought, like, I'm that's me. Yeah. But they didn't call him. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he just, that knucklehead, is, I mean, you didn't have a name, bro. You just... yeah. You was the you was knucklehead, but you got to give him credit though. I mean, that's like the scene of the movie. Like, it it we, is the scene. Like, of the yeah, movie. you you aren't Ice Cube and you aren't Cuba Gooding Jr., but like you played a big role in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now somebody else could have 
it wasn't because of you. Yeah. Somebody else could have held the gun. And it was, I thought it was Chris Tucker at a point. But somebody else could have held the gun. and did, It wasn't like he did a, he got to this dark place and said something. Yeah. Before, you know, so it you were put in that position by John Singleton. It wasn't because yeah. you did some special thing with your skill. I made money off that photo. Oh, like, man, y'all gonna put that shit. Yeah, y'all, y'all yeah, about I mean, to pay me. Yeah, well, he didn't. He wasn't thinking that far. No. <laughs> he wasn't trying to no, no, be no. a business. <laughs> uh, so he okay. So let's get let's just really highlight though. So yeah, he shot a young lady and another dude outside of a liquor store. Yeah, in like a shop. Center. Can you find their names again? Annette Lewis and um, Percy Branch. Annette Lewis and Percy Branch, and they both died. Yeah, they both died. Wow, yeah. rest in peace to them. Yeah, so, yeah. And it was probably over nothing. It was probably over nothing. This dude, this dude was on such an edge. Well, what happened was, uh, when he first got into the gang, he was like, um, when he moved to the jungle, uh-huh. he started hanging around um, teenagers. Uh-huh. He started hanging around these TJ teenagers. He's got to be like in his thirties by he now. He was, he was, no, he was mid twenties at this point. Oh, okay, he was yeah. in his mid twenty, late twenties. He was hanging around these um, like, teenage gangbangers, yeah. and then he, they was going on crazy missions, uh, and he was tagging along wow, with those. Wow. Okay, so this was like a like an initiation type of situation, possibly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Rest in peace to Annette Lewis. But it kind of wasn't initiated. It was kind of like he volunteered to do that stuff. So like, yeah, he, oh, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't need to be in this in no. any of this at all. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a mess. He had a good upbringing. He wasn't gonna act. But I look mean, what like, fame can do. Look at the story you just did last week, man. Look at look at what being enticed by street life can do to you. Yeah, you know, and you want to really. And you're like, I want to be the best. This, no matter what you uh, what your upbringing is, if you get enti- if you're enticed by being a uh, the a bad boy and that could be anything like there's guys that you know um work at banks and on the weekends they have like little leather jackets and they're like we're we have a little biker crew we're like the sons of anarchy yeah it's like you everybody's kind of drawn to being a rebel yeah and that's just how society works sometimes everybody's not i don't want to be a rebel I, but that's because i have people in my family who are rebels and i'm like i don't want to go to prison yeah when you hear somebody tell you what prison is like it's very sobering they're talking about what they eat and how they treat you and, you know, the little maneuvers. Oh, yeah, you take the ramen noodles, you cut up the sausage weenies and da-da-da, you put the yeah, hot man. plate on. It's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. It's not it worth like, it when it, you have options. When you, the podcast, your mom's house, Danny Brown was on there. And he was, <laughs> did you listen to that yeah. <laughs> He said he took like an egg and like barbecue sauce and like, I don't know, chips. Yeah. And like, you cook it like on the barbecue, and you cook it on the toilet. Like a barbecue egg. It was something great. I was like, I was like, what the fuck is that, man? Yeah, that, it's that nuts. That sounds gross. It's, it's. It's it's torture is what it is. It's prison prison is torture, and I'm good. I'm but I understand if you don't have options, you got to do what you got to do. But yeah. for this dude, he had options. Yeah, he chose to be this, yeah. and that dude last week chose to be that. Yeah, and he also skated away. Yeah, so that's crazy too. That pissed, I don't even want to talk about that. He really was like, you know what, man? I'm not a crip. Never mind. I'm yeah. out of here. That's crazy. Yeah, going back go to college. Anywho, um, yeah, so. Uh, he never got over playing Knucklehead number two, and it really was a case of art imitating art imitating life. Mm-hmm. With him living the same type of lifestyle as his gun wielding character in Singletary's film, Che Avery likens his brother's dis, um, descent into gang life to the to that of Tupac Shakur. Mm. I like to call it the Tupac syndrome. He says he he saw my Lloyd mm-hmm. felt like he had something to prove when he when he really didn't. Mm-hmm. Even if you have money and fame, you will sacrifice all all of that just to have the respect from a branch of, up from a bunch of thugs. Yeah, it's kind of like what you said. Tupac did more than that, though. Come on, Che. Yeah, yeah, but I get what he but was I, saying. No, I get yeah, it. Though. I it's get like it, same though. thing you said earlier before I start the story. Yeah. So whilst Avery was awaiting trial, he was incarcerated in a North County Correctional Facility, and there he found God. Of course. Yeah. Um, 
and spoke often with the prison chaplain about what he was reading in the Bible. He would regular he would regularly attend church services on Sundays, and he always he was this part is kind of funny. He was always seen sitting in the front um front row during Bible study. So he just like he went balls out for being a blood, he went balls out for being a Christian. Yeah, and it's like um I'm the biggest Christian. Yeah, and then I don't know about you. This is kind of just a tangent thing, but I hate people that sit in the front it of anything or just shit. of church. Anything. <laughs> It just like we get it, me. bro. You like it more yeah. than us, like because that's what you're. That's what you're saying. Like I, y'all like it, but I really like this. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like there's some people. Ass, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some. Yeah. Sit in the front. <laughs> it, that bothers so me. You can just go reason. one row back. It, it, there's. You could just go second row. We we all we all like church. We all like it here. You don't have to. You don't have to. You sit at the front of the classroom. You can hear the yeah. same. In pointing the, out people that's late and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that bothers me. Yeah, sitting. In the, there's some people that voluntarily sit in the front of the movie theater seat, and those people are called psychopaths. If why it's an you, empty movie theater and you like, like, I really want to. I really want to get up in the mix. Yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> but I've I've gone in the movies that aren't full, and they're in, in those first five rows. I'm not saying one, but anything after anything before like ten. If it's empty, you're crazy. Why yeah. are you choosing to be close to the screen? Yeah. So those people are psychopaths. Yeah. I and probably people sitting in the front row of church, they probably psychopaths too. What are you trying to prove? Why do you need the, the uh, pastor to see you so bad? What are you what are you hiding? Yeah. What do you need redemption from that you need everybody to think you're the best church person? Yeah. I see you. Yeah. I see you. Yeah, people, people that sit in the, in the front. front. Like, fuck you. I don't care. They look they looking back. <laughs> Looking at me. <laughs> oh, that was a good word, Pastor. Looking yeah. back. I heard it before y'all. It got to me first and then it got to y'all. I heard it. Just, amen. That was him. Ate those people, man. I hate <laughs> it. Uh so after two two years, um after two years at the jail, he went to trial and was found guilty for the double murder, yes. the double homicide, um, and sentenced to life imprisonment. Avery was transferred to Pelican Bay State Prison. Also, mm. In the video I watched, he wanted to go to Pelican State Prison. Tough prison. Because it's tough, and that's what he wanted to be. To, oh, yeah, he's, he's got death wish. He's crazy. Yep. Um, so he was transferred to Pelican Bay Prison where he would serve his light sentence. Um, and from where, and that's also where he continued his religious conversion. Mm. He would often attempt to spread God's word to his fellow inmates. And it's believe this is like, what. Hey, aren't you the dude that shot Ricky? <laughs> I was him. I'm no longer that person. That's how I went? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, so he tried to spread words to his fellow inmates, and it's believed this is what caused his death. His cellmate Kevin Ruby was, was like, "Shut up!" Schiz- he was, like, he was, a, he was oh, a paranoid yeah. schizophrenic and a Satan worshiper. Oh, who had, <laughs> who had, uh, who they're had like they're like on the opposite end. They're like complete a, yeah, opposite. It's like a Super Bowl. End. Who had been sentenced to life imprisonment for sexual assault of murdering his sister oh. while, tr- while trying to appease Satan. Oh, gee, oh, so they're really. This is like fucking. The Cowboys and the Eagles. This is we are opposing forces. Yeah, we don't like each other. I'm God. Stuck I'm in with a cell, God. A cell block. Oh, jeez. So Avery had apparently tried to convert Ruby, um, unsuccessfully, and was warned by him to stop preaching God. <laughs> On September fourth, two thousand five, thirty six year old Avery was hit over the head and strangled to death by his cellmate. Oh God! Who used his body in a sacrificial ritual. It would take two days before correctional officers found his mutilated body in their cell, laying on top of a pentagram Ro- oh, Roby had wow. drawn for his ritual. For his, um, for this brutal murder, Ro- Roby um, was received. He received another life sentence. But what I read was they didn't. Well, let me back up. Jesus. Also, his family, Avery's family, tried to sue 
the, the prison? The prison because it was like, they didn't y'all do, set this up. Y'all shouldn't have put those two That's, in the same. Exactly. Yeah. Also, um, they didn't, they, they was going to give Roby another life sentence, but they said if they did that, it would just make him more powerful in the prison if they did that. So they didn't even, they didn't okay. charge him. They didn't I charge see those prison that. politics. I don't even, how? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> that gives him more power? It makes him, makes him more famous. Gives him more there. rap, I don't know. he's, yeah, he's I even more gangster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess, um, I guess that matters. In, I don't know. Yep. So it, and they said that they you know the the prison offices do count every night or whatever. Yeah. And so for how two he, days. Yeah. They couldn't. They, they couldn't they, count. They it. just they kept missing the count. Yeah. Which is wild. That means um, that that means it's and it's another thing. I uh, I was talking about this with somebody with that Gabriel Fernandez documentary mm-hmm. where it's just crazy. There's so many people in the world not doing their jobs. Yeah. And there's that one time. Whereas you know we have a friend. I'm not gonna say his name, but like he got fired because he was sleeping in his car when he was oh, yeah. You know. And it's those kind of things. Like there's a person that just goes. Uh, click, click, click. Just sitting in a chair. Click, 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 click. Count done. Yeah. Just because you're like, I don't feel like doing it today. Yeah. And it's moments like that that could cause a whole scandal. Yeah. The whole prison system is whatever. And it, it could have just been the matter of like those two days. There was a person who had a shift that was like, eh, I'm tired this week. But like they but, only. But they, now the family's like, no, they set it up this way yeah. and they turned their backs. It could have just been some dude that was like, I don't feel like doing the count the way we usually do it. But I think I don't. I don't even think it was like. One day, they had, somebody was actually doing the job. It was, I think, the guy Kevin was just like, "It stinks in here." It's, you know, like he if, that dude was a fucking psychopath. Yeah, was like, so two can days you get by, him out of yeah, here? Get him out of here now! Yeah. I, he, a severely decomposed body I'm, in I'm there for tired, two days. I'm tired of getting away with this. Crazy. Oh, that's nasty. And in in prison in California, so it was definitely hot in there. That's wild. Mm. That dude was just probably just laying there, like, whatever. And then it was like, okay, it's yes, it's out of hand now. Yeah, now it's starting just, to bother me. Him being dead didn't bother me, but now his smell is bothering me. So I did it. Yeah, but that's wild. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. So they said, Lil Avery the third had been had chosen to live a violent life and ended up dying a particularly violent. Death. He asked to be a Pelican Bay. Yeah, he asked for all of this. Yeah, you know. Yep. You play and, stupid games, you win stupid prizes, man. I, I really, I really, truly believe that. I mean. If and you have options, use them. That was my story of Avery, Lloyd Fernandez Avery the second. Mm. Yeah, yeah, man, that was nuts. So, um, just this picture, just yeah, legendary picture. That yeah. truly is like there's people that have that framed in their house. It really is one of the most iconic uh, images in American cinema. It really is. Yeah, that's a nuts photo. Red hat out of a red car. Yeah, I'd put that up there with like Scarface holding his gun. You know, uh, you know, something from some kind of Clint Eastwood movie, cowboy. It's a very iconic, like this is a gangster scene. It's like, but this is the, the Godfather picture. picture. Yeah, this is the picture of the movie though. Like you yeah. see this picture, you'll know exactly where it's yes. from. Mm-hmm. And it's this guy that they what didn't have that big of a part, but At it all. just was just doesn't even have a name. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then it comes with this whole story of That's a crazy story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did hear about that briefly not too long ago. I think I've I think I've stumbled upon the same YouTube page. That you did, yeah, over the last, like, two months. Like, yeah. I was like, because I remember the story the last week <laughs> yeah. and this one as well. I yeah, think we yeah. fell into the same YouTube wormhole. Yeah. Hood but I, those are the only ones I've watched as from that Hood Politics page. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another video in there I watched. I can't remember the guy's name, but, like, the f- I don't know if this is true, but, mm-hmm. the f- like, family members or whoever was close to the, it was about some girl. I can't remember her name. I'm not even going to try. That she got killed and one somebody commented was like, oh, that was my cousin or whatever, and, you know, the family really like that. You hit spot on with the details or whatever, because it just... Yeah, 
Crazy. A lot of people wasn't talking about it. It just right, wasn't right. a big yeah. story. Yeah. So it was just like I mean that's 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 our platform's yeah, goal yeah. and it, essentially yeah. we just don't do as much work as that guy might do. We, yeah, like we're yeah. not I'm not going to the library and pulling files. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, it's just not I like to disseminate information that I can get my hands on. Yeah. Now we dig a little deeper than fucking talking about uh you know uh Tim fucking what's the fucking the fucking serial killer's name. There's another thing that just came about that fucking guy. Uh, the guy, uh, the, they say he's handsome or whatever. Uh, fucking Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Yeah, another Ted fucking Bundy. Story. Oh, this is from his family's story. It, it, it just keep you know. So we dig a little deeper. More than, information came out. Uh, just diff- different angles on the same story. Oh. But we dig a little. We try to find stuff a little more obscure. Stuff is not getting talk, talked talked about. Angle of what? That he was a, another angle of him being. Well, psych- the, I think this angle, this new show, is like we never thought that he come home and have dinner with us. It was like oh, okay, like a sociopath. Wait. Yeah, it's like, we get, he's, yeah it's like we get it. He's crazy. There's other stuff going on. The Grim Sleeper just died. Yeah. Well, that's they think he killed like 130 people. Samuel Little, they are saying he's the most prolific. I, there's no. Why isn't there a Netflix five part documentary series? I want to know these. That things. ain't done yet. It's well, I hope they're working on it. I yeah. hope they're working on it. But the Grim Sleeper case is thir- is like almost 30 years old. Yeah. Why are that? Why why do we have to rely on a wonderful documentary starring my girl Pam? The Grim Sleeper documentary, who yeah. I think she passed away. R&P Pam. She did pass. How you know? Uh, I feel Mike, like I saw something you? on Twitter. I feel, like I, saw, I feel like I saw something on Twitter. I could be wrong. If not, I don't, I don't wish that on Pam. I love Pam. But why isn't that like not only a, a documentary, but a docu-series? They, I thought one did and, come out. On the Grim Sleeper? Got, yeah, I thought something came out on a... How do we watch it? The Grim Sleeper documentary. I thought we watched it. Tales of the Grim Sleeper. I feel like... Is it something we watch where it got, it got took off TV or something? Oh, that wasn't Grim that Sleeper? I'm, not that I'm familiar with, no. I thought we had a hard time watching that for some reason. Maybe uh, I'm thinking I mean, else. I know we might have had a hard time. It might have been on YouTube and got taken off, but it's now it's on iTunes. Now I own it. I bought it. Hmm. But I, my whole point is like, I appreciate guys like this hood politics dude. Because yeah. people are saying, now the whole thing about true crime is like sometimes people are like, you know, you guys are making light of my family. I, I, I don't have an argument for that. If, somebody, if somebody's like, this, my cousin, if that person, same person was like, my cousin died, I don't like you talking about it on your platform and getting listeners off of it. It's like, I understand. I, I have no argument to that. My only thing is I'm saying is I find these things fascinating and I like to talk about them with my friend and that's what we do. Yeah, that's, you can find this information. It's not like we had to like steal the information. But it's, I think it's a thing where, which I, I think we try not to do and now that I have this this new weapon at my disposal, it's not, I'm never trying to be like, and then he cut her head off. What? Oh, he cut her head off. Oh, that's crazy. And then it sounds like we're making light of what happened to but these people. we're not people. doing that though. I know we're not. Oh. But, some, but some people feel like you just, the essence of you having the platform and doing what you're doing, you are doing that just by existing. I disagree with it, but my whole, my whole point is when you say you see people commenting like, yeah, that's my cousin, man. Thanks for talking about this yeah. i think that's what we're trying to do yeah. even if we do it wrong we're fucking idiots man i don't know we're trying to shed light on it that's, Exa- what, that's, said that from that's the, the whole point yeah. so shout out to her politics i do i've liked her a couple politics. of those stories i thought you were gonna say um which is, was a story i thought about doing i never have because i can't find all the information and i could probably dig a little harder and find it but they were saying the dude that killed nipsey hustle they're wiping out his whole bloodline it might be done but I heard they were just, yeah, you're his cousin, you're his brother, you're his dad. What, they're killing everybody who is related to him. Well, gang members? Yeah. Damn. I've heard, I've heard that a couple of times. Like, oh, another one that this guy was related to. I can't remember his Where? name right now. Not that I care. Who are you following? Like the same kind of YouTube channels as that. Shit. Hood news and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd I, I need to do more research, but I heard over the last, since that happened to Nipsey like two years ago, 
they were killing everybody. Like if you had his last name, if they knew you were his family, they knew oh, you were associates to him. Like they were killing everybody. I know that. But I have to do more research right now. I'm just that's just speculation. I'm just that's something I heard. Yeah. I'm not gonna and say that's fact. Snitch, so. When I heard, yeah, man. snitches get stitches apparently. Yeah, man. But not apparently, also not. also they don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they don't. Anyways, uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. I really like this 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 systems. I like this. Yeah, man, I can't man. see though. That kind of sucks. What you, you want? Hit, you want two of these? You hit buttons and stuff. I yeah, won't be man, able to see. Just be along for the ride. Yeah. I'm producing. I want to see though. You can't see these glowing buttons. You got a touch screen. I can't see. But all it does is tell you the time, man. You're not missing anything. I promise. If you're missing anything, I'll tell you. What we're gonna do is all the cool gadgets and stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here watching you hit colorful buttons and stuff. Trust me, you man. You should I... see this, man. Yeah, man. I'm the maestro. Yeah. Call, call me that. Can you? I'm not going to call you that. No. All right. Well, fine. Whatever. Well, we're going to do is we're going to take. A... <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back, Fran. It's my turn to go first this week. My my affirmative murder this week is the story of Gary Green. Uh, okay. I found out about this story from a YouTube channel called Real Stories. Uh, it was a very powerful hour-long documentary about this story that I'm about to tell that I kind of transcribed and used as a source to get the full story from the account of the people that were involved. It's the sons of the people of the woman involved in the story are the ones who told the story okay. along with some neighbors and things like that. So yeah, this is the story of Gary Green. <clears throat> in the fall of 2009, just two months after tying the knot with her husband, Gary, Levita Armstead informed Mr. Green that she wanted an annulment. Armstead's family said that she hesitated to end the relationship, even though it wasn't good for her. By a neighbor's account, Gary was both physically abusive to her sons and treated Levita more like a child than a mate and was also abusive to her. Armstead and Green married in June of 2009, but had begun living together a year or two earlier. According to her family, on September 10, 2009, Armstead filed documents seeking an annulment of their marriage checking two boxes on a form to explain why. One of the, one of the one boxes you checked said, one or both of the parties were under duress, uh, fraudulently induced, or forced to marry, and the other box checked wa- uh, was, it said, that uh, did not meet the mental capacity to enter into a marriage. So basically she was saying, like, I was forced, I was forced into this. I didn't want to do this of my own validity. Like, yeah, you know, like, or my own volition, I'm sorry. So she had like some type of mental dis- mental disability, or I think I think there's no box to say like he's he he was physically abusive to me and I did what he wanted me to do, but I think that's what she was trying to say with her annulment. She was basically trying to an annulment is like this never happened. It's 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 cleaner than a divorce. An annulment is I think I think there's a time limit. I think it has to be within the first year. But within the first year, a you marriage? can get, yes. Okay. W- within the first year of a marriage, you can get an annulment, which is like this never happened. Mm. It's not. There's no splitting up the property anything yeah. like it's like we, you go your way i go my way we didn't it was a mistake Damn. so she informed gary that she wanted to get an annulment so green moved out but according to family members he told armstead that his parole his parole officer so already you know you see what kind of winner you're dealing with yeah also this story is like the epitome of what we say on here all the time which is watch who you bring around your kids mm-hmm. it's it this is literally i've never heard of, this is one of the saddest stories i've ever heard from one and it's one of the most like don't what learn who you're dealing with before you bring the kids into the mix. Yeah. 
So uh, Armstead, he, uh, he, uh, Gary Green informed Armstead that his parole officer was still going to be checking him, checking on him at the home that he was before he moved out, staying with with her and her kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, he persuaded her to let him spend the day at the house on third on the thirty eight hundred block of Morning Springs Trail. Uh, just you know, just because the parole officer is going to come, so this is the address I have down, so I have to be here. And she was like, "All right, okay, yeah." At about five thirty p.m. Lavita Armstead dropped off her sons, Jerome, who was 12 at the time, and Jared, who was nine, at church. Dallas police say after she returned home, Gary Green stabbed her to death. Mm. Police say she, he also killed her daughter, Jasmine Mon- Montgomery, who was six years old. Wow. At close to 8 p.m., Green showered after killing Lavita and her daughter, Jasmine, went to church picked up Jerome and Jared and brought them back to the house. So like an hour, hour or two between. Well, five, thir- around, uh, they say around five 30 is when he committed the murder. So between five 30 and eight, he eight. cleaned up himself. He didn't okay. Clean, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then so left and went and picked the kids up around eight, Dang. brought them back home. And Jerome and Jared noted that he had, he was very happy. He had a smile on his face when he picked them up. And they were like, he's never one. He never picks us up from church, is what yeah. they said. Why are you smiling? And why? And he. And but not only why are you smiling? They say this dude never talks to them. He's not a very warm guy. So it's it, everything's weird. It's like, why are you picking us up from church? And what is what, what's going? Why are you so happy? Yeah, I'm gonna head out. What? I'm gonna go ahead and head out. Get out the car. Yeah, it's like you know There's what, man. Something. Something, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's this. Are you Gary? At the very least, I would have thought you were like a body snatcher or something. Like that's to say that some that. Everything about the night was out of character. Yeah. For one, it's like, why isn't it? Why, where's Jasmine? Where's our mom? Why isn't our mom picking us up from church? Yeah. And why are you so fucking, what is, why are you so happy? Yeah. Hey, guys, how was church? You never asked them questions or anything. Got so, gifts and shit. Yeah, I'd have been like, you know what, man? Um, I will catch the this. bus. Yeah. yeah I, I, that, that's very, that's the weirdest, one of the weirdest things to me to, to, to be a kid and to notice that, to be like, this, this guy, person never acts this way. Yeah. And none of this ever happens. Our mom picks us up from church. No, Gary has never picked us up from anything. A, yeah. a, a game, nothing. And he's happy. This is weird. How do you react to that as a kid, though? It's like, but it's like that's, that's the adult. Get yeah. in the car. Yeah. You know? It's, but again, that's why you got to watch it. I'm not trying to blame, but I'm just saying, watch when you bring your kids around, man. Because they shouldn't be that comfortable getting in the car with you know somebody that hits their mom and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you got to respect the but authority figure. But they were married, though, right? Yes. Like, hey, man. I, there's there's holes in what you can always go yeah but you know they're married or whatever or the mom created the relationship to tell the kids yeah. to trust him but I'm or saying he's not like random he's not no like random. no he's not random but he is abusive and they know that he that they are getting a divorce yeah. they know that gary's kicked out of the house yeah so but all it takes is like yeah we but she told him on things. but she told him to go pick him up oh no that was just oh, he okay went, he right. went to go pick him okay. up yeah 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 because she dropped him off at church she dropped him off at church yeah yeah so uh so they get back to the house, and shortly after they get to the home... Yeah, because he was only staying there because of the thing. Yes, because okay, for the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they get home. Shortly after they get home, Gary goes, man, uh, your mom, Jerome, your mom said you're kind of musty, so um, go take a shower before you get in bed, and Jared, you get ready for bed, right? While Jerome's getting in the tub to take a bath, uh, Gary calls Jared into the, ba- into the kitchen. He's just like, come here real quick. The kid walks into the kitchen, and he gets mauled by this dude. Uh, Gary... Grabs him, puts his hand over his mouth, and they kind of get into a tussle. And he falls back. He falls down with his back to like the the cabinets. Mm-hmm. So he's got the kid like on his chest with his hand over his mouth, and Ga- and Gary's back is to the cabinets, mm-hmm. and he starts reaching up 
uh, like behind his back without being able to see because he's holding the kid to get a knife. He grabs a knife and gets the knife, pulls it down to the floor with with him, and goes to slits slit Jared's throat. Mm. Fortunately for him, it was a butter knife, mm. so it didn't it didn't it, it bruised him, but it didn't cut his throat. Yeah. So he throws that knife, goes and grabs another knife, a sharper knife. He goes to stab Jared. The it breaks like on his shoulder bone or so, it ah. broke. Like he goes to stab him, but it broke, so it didn't penetrate him. Oh, okay. His luck ran out I though. Slay my knives. Huh? That's not like my knives. Yeah. My knives oh, are terrible. Yeah, well, you, you want to have one. That's why I keep the good knives next to the bed. Keep the steak knives, like, cut for steak or anything. But I don't want to burglar. keep good knives next to the bed? Yeah, for a case a burglar comes in. How would you I, do that? Because I got the good knives. See, in this situation, all the all the knives, the doll knives were out in display. But what if they walk in your sleep? Oh, man, Bella is not letting that. I, I got to Look, man, don't question my security system. I got a good okay. security system. here. No. Anyway. Not if you come up with dog treats. Just saying. That's a very smart burglar. He deserves to kill me. If you come into my house prepared with like tranquilizer dog treats, then you, well played. Yeah. You know, you win. If he's been staking out, never know. Man, why are you trying to make me scared? Anyway. I'm sorry. So anyway, Jared's luck ran out because Gary reached for a third knife and stabbed him in the belly. And the other brother was in the shower, I'm he in, he's in the, He was in the shower. Okay. But he also had his mouth, he, had, he also had Jared's oh, mouth yeah, covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while he, he stabbed him... Jared was able to get his hand off of Gary's mouth and get free, and he comes running down the hallway. JT, that's what he called Jerome. JT, he's trying to kill me. Help, help. And But uh, Gary got his hands back onto Jared, and so now, now he knows that Jerome knows what's going on, so he goes to the bathroom, throws Jared into the bathroom, and closes the door and locks it. Now Jared and Jerome are in the bathroom with this fucking giant man and a knife in his hand, cornered. Yeah. Right? So, uh... Um, as the two children pleaded for their lives, they recalled Gary saying, I loved your mother with my whole heart. I loved her to death. He then stabbed uh, Jared again. And then, so now this kid has, a, he stabbed him in his chest and then he starts interrogating them. Did you know, do you know if your mom was texting other guys? Uh, you know, if you've seen any of the other guys around the house, da, 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 da. Just, and the kid's bleeding. That would piss me off, man. Uh, yeah, it would, be, it would be more than that. Especially, he's, you're his big brother. You feel helpless. Your little brother's here bleeding, and answer, you have to answer weird questions. I'm and talking stuff. about as the, I mean, as the kids being, like, this is bullshit. Why, why are you, why are you coming after me? Well, that's what they said. They asked him. They asked him, "Why are you doing this? All this kind of stuff." He said, "I loved your mom, and she did this, and it was her fault." And all this that's why I go, "Well, you're a bitch. Fuck you." And then they just kill me at the. Well, these kids are smart enough. They're smarter than you because they just kind of played it as cool as they could. They survive. I'll get to that. Oh, I got you. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. So Gary continues to uh. You know, asked him all these questions and everything. And then Gary, after interrogating him, I guess he got the answer that he wanted. He goes, I want to show you guys something. So now, according to Jared and Jerome, they said he went to open the door and he 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 told them, like, go ahead, go out, I'll go, go out. And he took the knife and tried to twist it into Jared's neck. Like he like he poked, he put it in his neck and was like twisting his arm side like this, like tried to dig the knife into his neck. And they were like, ah, and they like backed up and. and it's not funny, but it, it is kind of funny. Like he did that, and they went like, "Whoa, hey!" And then he went, "All right, my bad. That was the last time." Like, what? He, yeah, he's like, "All right, that's, I'm not, I'm not gonna do so anything." So he did, he did stab him. He like he put the knife to his neck and then kind of twisted it, like he was digging it into his neck. But when he, as soon as he did it, they kind of like jumped forward, like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Does he have a mental disability? Yeah, man. Did you not pick up on that? Because <laughs> he's fucking stabbing kids in the house and killed people. Yeah. So they they went to dig the knife in the kid's neck and both and Jared and Jerome he Jerome kind of pulled Jared and was like, "Whoa, hey man, cut it out!" And he was like, "All right, my bad. All right, I'm done now." Which is a crazy thing to say after you wow. stabbed a kid twice already. And you go to dig the knife in his neck and they're like, 
All right, okay, you caught me. All right, okay. Now, no, for real, I have to show you something though. I'm done now. I won't. I won't do anything anymore. For real, follow me. Like, do you need lessons how to stab somebody? Yeah, I don't know what that was. I don't know the what fuck? that technique was. Anyway, um, Gary Green walked the boys back to their mother's bedroom and opened the door. Inside was Lavita's lifeless body. Mm. The bed was literally soaked in blood as well as the floor. Gary then directed their attention to the bathroom where he had taped the little girl, the little Jasmine's hands and feet behind her back and drowned her in a full bathtub. Uh. Gary Green then changed his clothes, had the boys walk him to his car, handed them their mom's cell phone and said, don't call the police until I leave. And then he said something to Jared because Jared had a, Jerome had a dad and Jasmine had a dad who's also in this documentary who I, re- I recommend people. It's very, it's, it's their account. She had a dad who's in it. He's very sad. You know, he loved this kid. But Jared didn't have a dad. At least not that one that was in his life. So Gary, he really was like, this is the father figure. I, I, this is better than nothing. Yeah. So he's, Jared said, Gary told him, you know how I told you don't say goodbye because the goodbyes are final and, you know, you shouldn't say goodbye. He goes, well, this, this is goodbye. <laughs> he goes, well, this is goodbye. Yeah. So goodbye. Because he was going to, he planned on driving off and killing himself. Mm. Um, so he drove off and Jerome called the police and the 911 phone call is very disturbing it's in the documentary it's very it's, it's almost inaudible like you can't because they're fucking terrified like their mother they saw their mother dead their sister dead jared's bleeding jerome's trying to explain and it, it always wait what i missed something now i missed something what you miss the mother oh, how did, when the mother die he killed what he killed her before he went to church to get the boys. I thought he killed the. I thought it was two 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 sisters. No, it's a mom and a daughter. Oh, that's why I, I Levita thought. Levita Armstead is the mom. I missed because I thought you said that it was two daughters and they was already at the house, but the mom went no, and dropped off. No, two brothers. No, I dropped off the girls. two brothers at church, okay. and there's one that's little daughter who's six. I thought it was. I thought it was two girls. He killed the like, mom hmm. and the six year old daughter, and then the two boys were at church. He went and picked them up and brought them back home. So the mom's dead. The sister's dead. Jared's bleeding and they're on the phone and the the, the I think that um nine one one phone call people get a bad rap because sometimes they're like okay calm down like whenever I hear something they're like but you know they're trying to be the adult in the room but when it when you know the whole thing you're almost getting mad when you're hearing it because they're like my mom and he's bleeding and like, okay who's bleeding give the phone to somebody else and you're like man I'm trying to explain to you I just wish I wish those kids had the strength to just do it themselves just to. They kill that motherfucker themselves. I wish. Oh, I, I bet they wish too. Actually, I have a clip that I want to play that's very... I, these kids, they're, they're never going to be... You know, you see something like that. You got a lot of therapy. Sister, your mom. Yeah, yeah. So You almost fucking... That's... Yeah. So th- I, there's there's Jesus. a there's a clip from the older brother that I want to play when I get finished. Um, so the, the first detectives on the scene immediately knew from the tragic state of things that they were most likely uh, dealing with a death penalty case. After Gary left his car, after Gary left in his wife's car, he stole, he stole LaVita's car. He called his mother, who told him to turn himself in. Green did so and confessed to the slangs in a videotaped statement. Gary says his intention was indeed to kill, was to kill LaVita, all the kids, and then himself last. But not having a gun made the task more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, he said it was, and it's like, fuck you, man. But he said, like, it was very hard. Like, he, he had to look away while he was killing Jasmine. Because it was so like he's drowning a six-year-old kid, like that was hard for him. Like a gun would have made it more like you do it and then you Quick. can leave. You know, yeah. Like almost like he's like, I didn't want to. I wish I could have. But you did given, it twice. Given her less pain or I something. You know? Did it twice. Did what twice? He had to kill a mom. Yes. And then he had to dr- like you. You already. It's not like you had to just kill one person. Yeah. For you to be like, oh, it was so hard. Like you. 
Yeah. Fucking blacked out, whatever your excuse. Yeah. That was also part of his excuse too. Okay. He's like, he was like, he's like, basically in the documentary, he said something like, uh, cause it was from prison. He goes one minute we were married. And then the next minute uh, everybody was dead. Sure. That's his timeline of things. But I don't know. I don't, I don't really care about the words of people who do shit like this. You know, like you can't bring them back. Nobody wants to hear about your, you're in church now. or It's like, it doesn't matter, but you did it. It doesn't. So what? And begging for forgiveness and shit. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm just, when, when when I see like when when Botham Johns and that's their that right to do. Hot, uh. You have the right to do what you want to do, but no. to forgive that woman so quickly, like no. with within months of this happening, is like no way crazy to me. It's no just, it just blows my mind. But you know, if you're a Christian and you believe that, I don't know, whatever. No way. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, the the night of violence started as follows. LaVita was in her bedroom reading a letter from Gary mm-hmm. uh, with a passage that said, you asked to see the monster, so here's the monster you made. There will be five lives taken today, me being the fifth. And then he busted in the house and attacked her. Like he left the letter at the, at the door. Yeah. And then she was reading mm-hmm. it. While she's reading it, he bursts into the house. What the fuck? So that's, she never got out of the bedroom. So she's reading this fucking terrifying letter. And then he's like, he had a whole setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, Gary Green went on to be convicted and sentenced to death to the death penalty for the murders of Lavita Armstead and Jasmine Montgomery. He now currently sits on uh, death row. And like I said, I have a clip I wanted to play, so it's just gonna take me a second to get it fired up. Um, and it is, it is, uh, it, it it's a very interesting conversation because we've had conversations about people's feelings on the death penalty and all those kind of things. Yeah. And this is from her kids, uh, how they feel about uh. The whole thing with with uh, with Gary Green. Let's uh, play a few shows on here. So something like that touches home. You 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 quite naturally. This is her mother, Margarita. He's getting what he deserves. You know, he got the death penalty, but this happened in two thousand and nine, and Gary has been living all this time. My daughter is gone. My granddaughter is gone. So that, to me, that just, even that wasn't severe enough punishment for him. You know, it's a punishment, but it's a punishment after he's got to live years beyond taking someone else's life. So, I mean... I I can't say that I'm against the death penalty because I know what it feels like to lose a daughter and a granddaughter and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Gary Green is the one that took my daughter's life and my granddaughter's life. I, I, I just, the death penalty ain't even good enough for him. Yes. This I is Jerome, the, the oldest son. In Huntsville, you said? What he, I'm going uh, to back it up because what he said I is he wants to go to the death He wants to go to the when they kill him. Yes. Well, he I hasn't, would go hasn't to the execution chamber no. in Huntsville, you said? Huntsville? Uh, I want to see him How old is he? die. So I, this is 2009, so he's probably really like 23, 24. Maniacal, but I want to see him die. I want to see his lifeless body specifically for the reason that I had to see my mom and sister's body lifeless. Like, I want to see the light fade from his eyes. And I know that might be, like, a little extreme, but, you know, what he did was extreme as well. And the the feelings that 
the feelings and the anger and the fear that he instilled in me was real as well. And I just wanted it all to go away. And that's the only time I feel like it's going to happen. So um, that's their feelings, you know. That's not enough, man. Nothing what, will ever be enough, but that's... Yeah. What I'll say is um, the reason I I understood Jerome's feelings is because he... They, he uh, other stuff in this documentary he talks about as well is like he after that situation for a long time he would wake up in cold sweats thinking like maybe Gary got out of jail and was coming to finish the job and all yeah. these kind of things so I could see there being some kind of like catharsis and, and release of, of stress when you go well I now I know this person's gone like I saw it he's dead I know he's dead me seeing him be dead I can now sleep at peace knowing he's not going to come and get me but there was also a lot of anger and eye for an eye in there. And I've seen just so many accounts of people who say like, oh, oh I went to that and it just, it didn't do anything for me. It, yeah. uh, it, That's why I say I don't, I don't think, yeah. for me, it wouldn't be enough for me. I feel like the death penalty part, that shit takes too long. Yeah. Yeah, like, you're sitting on death row for 20 years, you live in 20 years. Even if you're in prison, it's like you're alive. That's yeah. a good point the mom made, brought up. It was like, yeah. What if it, I die? What it, if I die before you get... Yeah. So now I died like just living life. Like yeah. I lived a life and I died. It, it might not have been, I wasn't in Cabo San Lucas and driving yeah. on jet skis and stuff, but I was alive. I was, I was alive yeah. for another 20 years after I killed your kid. Yeah. I'm talking about, yeah, 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 right, right. If I, yeah, if, if, if I'm the, like the mom. Oh, the mom. Oh yeah. Oh, I feel, I, that's not, that's not yeah, what I was saying. Yeah. I see what you're yeah. saying. Where it's like, I don't get to see this day. Yeah. So I die knowing that my, the killer of my kid is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no, there is no, um, Justice, the death penalty isn't justice. It, it's there is no justice that can be given. Somebody's yeah. life is gone. Yeah. But like I said, for that, from that aspect of like this kid being uh, terrified and all these things, um, I fully understand being, you know, being in a position where you go, I want to make sure he's dead. I want to make sure he's gone. But a lot of that was also anger and the, all these things. And I just feel like he's putting so much stakes into being at peace after seeing that. And I don't think it's going to come. Yeah, because I just don't. I don't think there is peace to be found. You can you can reconcile your feelings and go, you know, I I accept that that happened and I hate him and all those kind of. Th- but seeing him die isn't going to go. Well, now he's dead, so now I feel great. Yeah, it doesn't know? cancel them. It doesn't cancel. Yeah, them. there's a lot of work to do, and hopefully he's doing the work. Jerome seems like and Jared, they both seem like very like they got their heads on their shoulders. They seem like smart kids. Yeah, and I hope that they find the help that they need. But I don't think that going to the death penalty thing is going to nope. do that. Well, let me do it. That's what I would ask. Can I do it? I don't even. Maybe. Maybe that would do it. Maybe that would do, do it for me. But you don't know. We don't know. You know, we're just guessing. Yeah, true. Now, the last thing I wanted to play is another clip is this is actually about how we always say, like, you know, um, watch what you bring around your kids. Mm. This is from the kids. Okay. You know, this is from Jared and Jerome who survived. They're now adults. Mm. And Jer- Jared was stabbed twice. And is Jerome- this from the same time the other video came out? Or this, this is, is the same documentary. Okay. Oh, it's this, okay. This, this is the exact right. same documentary. So uh, this is their account of, you know, watch who you bring around your kids, pretty much is what they're saying. Okay, there we go. Kind of watching yourself and your surroundings and who you get involved with. And also not settling for less than what you could have. Uh, I feel like my mom settled for a man that wasn't good enough for her. But because she was looking for love in all the wrong places, she felt like that is what love was. Love isn't going to hurt you. It's not uh, going to try to suffocate you or, oh, you know, control you or anything like that. Love is just love, and you'll know when it's love. 
I would hope this that is her mom, Margarita, again. any woman that's in a, a situation where she's being abused, that first off, that she would share it. If you're in that kind of a situation, get out. It's got to be somebody that can help you. You just got to reach out to get the help. And don't stop until you get it. This Sounds like a sweet lady. Yeah, and she's heartbroken. Her and her daughter had the same birthday, so she's like, now every birthday I got to spend my birthday alone. Yeah. And, I, you know, those are from the the family of LaVita. And so I don't want that to come off, come across... I don't want anybody to hear that and think that that's victim blaming or anything like that. Like it's LaVita's fault that she is dead. Mm-hmm. That I don't think that's what they're saying, but they're saying, you know, get out to, to, as a, we lived through it. So we're saying as a warning to anybody, if you're seeing these kind of signs in your life, this could be the end outcome. So let's get out of it. Yeah. Don't get desperate. Yeah. Don't get desperate and know your value and yeah. don't let somebody treat you the way you're not supposed to be treated, especially if you have kids Yeah, because they learn, they grow up worse. Best case scenario, you're in an abusive relationship. You have a son who's not this person's kid, or it is this person's kid, and they grow up and they hit women because they think that's what you can do to women. Yeah. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is this violent person escalates to be more violent and he kills you. You know. And again, if this sounds victim blaming as a man, I, I, I'm sorry, but it's just if you are being abused by a person, find help. Tell somebody make it you know you got to try to get out of the situation and if you can't I'm, that's terrible i'm sure there are people who did try and they didn't succeed but and it's you know and, and levita tried she she thought she could just get an annulment and it would all just like i'm gonna get this person out of my life and he came back and and, and fucking killed her and her yeah. daughter and tried to kill her sons and it, it was a mess but you know that's the message that they have to the world it's like our mother and my daughter was taken if you see the signs, get out of the situation yeah. and watch what you bring around your kids. So, yeah, man, uh, that story, like I said, it, it was on a it's on a YouTube page called Real Stories. And it's a very powerful documentary. The whole thing from start to finish is really good. Yeah. And I just wanted to disseminate. I just wanted to disseminate that the best I could and, and uh, give the, you know, give the gist of what happened. But, uh, you know, that was pretty heavy. So, um. Do you have any? Do you? I mean, what are your thoughts on death penalty? We've discussed this before, but like, like you, yeah, like you're 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 in a situation like this. Of course, I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy. If you, yeah, if you want to kill him, kill him. Yeah, but I've we've it doesn't even matter. I've okay. I've told you about yeah. you know if it, I, there's too many people who are actually not guilty, guilty. Yeah. or that's my stance. Yeah. But if it's like if you're actually a, a definitely killed a person, I'm like, I don't whatever, man, kill him. I don't care. Yeah, but. I don't, the, the system also kills people who are innocent. That's why I'm against it. But I'm not against it. Like, hey, man, you can't kill a human being. That's not my stance. It's, that's not my stance. It's just mm-hmm. like sometimes the system often gets the wrong person, literally, yeah. and they kill a, an innocent person. So, but um, yeah, man, as a person, as a as a person, God forbid. I mean, you and Stephanie, you have two kids now. You guys are locked in. But like, how do you think you? What do you think your rules would be if you and Stephanie? broke up and then it's like i now i have a new person like like yeah. what are the it's like for sure like don't discipline my you know it's, it's these weird rules where it's like you know don't touch my kids yeah all this kind of, i need to meet the you know like what are the how what's the etiquette you don't know until you're in the situation i guess right like, yeah it's kind of funny because it's not we may have stepped in this conversation but it was like you know if we broke up we probably yeah. still would be in the picture somehow yeah you gotta be i mean like in the picture somehow i mean like we would probably still be like Hanging out, even if she was like dating somebody else. Okay. <laughs> like, I, will, okay. I will always be around. I will okay. I wouldn't even let that 
I yeah. wouldn't let that happen. We're going to have a good relationship. I would have to be dead for that shit to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's okay. no way. Okay, no I got way. it. Yeah, okay. No way. Yeah, yeah. No way. Well, that's good. Cause some, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a messy situation, man. Because yeah. it's like, you know, I saw this video. This dude came and, and like beat up a, a dude because he is dating a girl, a woman who had a kid. And he mm-hmm. like talked crazy to the kids. So she's like, yeah. well, I'm going to go fucking tell my dad. Yeah. And he came and fucked him up. As he should. But it's like, what's the line? You know, like if if I have a household, let's say I'm a stepdad, yeah, and I have a household, and you live here five mm-hmm. days out of the week, and on the weekends you go to your dad's, and it's like you you sneak out of the house and you come in uh, at one thirty in the morning. Is it just like your mom? Let your mom handle that. Is that what? Is that? Yeah, you're you're a parent, so you tell me. Yeah, but if it if it if you so say if you you have a child, uh huh, and um, you have a child, you're in Sierra. And she, you know, she's married, remarried again, whatever. Uh-huh. But if you got, to, if your child comes to you, especially, it's different when it's a girl. Sure. Your daughter come to you saying, they, her and the stepdad's get into an argument. Sure. You're not even thinking twice. Yeah, You're yeah, not yeah. even. Yeah. It's just, it's just how a dad should react. Especially yeah. with the little girls, it's completely different. Yeah. It's completely different. I get that. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Shit. You tell me some shit like that, I'm running with me. I don't give a yeah. fuck if it was a mistake. He grabbed me. Or you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go fuck him up. Period. Yeah, I don't need to hear no your questions. side. Yeah. There's no, no, qu- there's no, there's no your side that. to this. Don't no, no, don't no, put no, your hands on my kid. When I want to say, I feel like That's always the energy I yeah, see. When it's a girl, it's different. It's yeah. different. When it's a boy, you can go, you know what? I, I just, it's just different. I feel like yeah. with a boy, you can you talk. I feel like in, in, as, in, with the society norms that we have, you go, he probably might have bucked on this. I understand, like, you know, uh, it's, a, it's it's to testosterone, yeah. and he's yeah. trying to, yep, he, exactly. you're not his dad, so he might have a, but with a girl, it's like, don't touch my daughter. Don't talk no. to my daughter any kind of way. No. But with you, you might go to your son, like, look, man, if he puts his hands on you, let me know. But yeah. you can't be talking back to him. It's his house. Yeah. Exactly. You might have that talk with you. Because as a man, you go, these are some, I'm letting you know, man. It's a lesson. Like yeah, it, this is his roof yeah. and you know, you can't disrespect the man in his house or whatever. Now, if these are, I'm going to let you know what the line is. And if he crosses this line, then you come and get me. Exactly. That's the different talk you have with your son yeah. and your daughter. But when it's a girl. Nah. Yeah. And again, always, when we have these kind of talks, I always like to, I always like to make it clear. Like I understand what we're saying is sexist, but it just is what it is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I understand like having a different set of rules for the girl and the boy is fucked up. But like it, in some situations I, I can feel like, um, we should get rid of that. And other situations, like that's just that's just um, uh, internal. You're gonna feel that way. Yeah, you know. So just like if it was your mom, it's no Absolute, different. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no different. All right, yeah. So that was the story of Gary Green. Rest in peace to um, Levita and her daughter Jasmine. And I, I really, I really pray that Jerome and Jerry get all the help that they need. I hope that this story gets out there and therapists offer their services because it's, it's it's gonna take a lot of work. Going to a execution isn't gonna make all that trauma go away. Maybe not, nothing will. And then it's like, it's still not over because this guy's still alive. It's like, it's... Yeah, you're still waiting for that day. And like, this, this yeah. part... This so now the end. anticipation's building. You think like, when this day happens, I'm going to get all this this clarity and this freedom lifted. And if it doesn't come, you put a lot of stakes on that being what gives you peace. So I hope they... don't do that. No. Because if it doesn't come, then you... Now you spiral. You're yeah. like, I'll never find... You know, so I really hope they just... I hope they find peace, man. I really... Prayers for them, man. Anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and jump to these good vibes. So let's get started. Yes, that's right, folks. It's time for these good vibes. So, uh, you know, we're trying to, you know, uplift the spirits and we're doing a little live type of situation now. So um, I'm going to go ahead and let Fran kick things off. Fran, uh, you know, let me know when you're ready and... uh, Get into it. Can you go? Can you go first? Can we do that? Yeah, sure. Okay. I can go first. Right. Oh shit! I'm trying something different here. 
Mm. We're trying to do a background music thing, but then I didn't think of right now. I need to use my phone to read my good vibe story. Oh, so you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm, I'm yeah, we're gonna um, you know, this is this is a perfect opportunity. If I was like, I wish I had YouTube Premium, because with YouTube Premium you can close out the app and have it running in the background. But I don't have that right now. So uh, you know, no background music today. <laughs> No, you'll have background music. I'll, I'll start background music when you Okay. <laughs> uh, my uh, Good Vibes story is actually a story I heard um, in People Magazine. Um, you remember that um, there was a shooting in Las Vegas at a country co- a country concert, like a festival, country music festival, probably about two years ago. Uh, Who was it? The guy was shooting from Mandalay Bay, like out of the oh, window. Oh, this was in Las Vegas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Las Vegas. Okay, I thought yeah. you said something else. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so a woman recently, this like this past week, she married a man who rescued her in the Las Vegas shooting. Uh, mm. That day, they met that day. Uh, a California man and a Canadian woman who met just 24 hours before they escaped a deadly mass shooting together have since fallen in love and married. On September 30th, 2017, Austin Monfort first noticed Chantel Melanson at a Las Vegas country bar. The two strangers were both in town for the Route 91 Harvest Festival, a three-night event featuring top country acts and coming and upcoming artists. That sounds like. I hate country music, you know, rest in peace to those people, but three nights of country music, yeah. fucking Garth Brooks and shit. No, thank no, you. Thank you. Didn't that st- do like, uh, never mind. Don't even. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Garth Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not, he's an odd fellow. We don't need, we don't need to get into it. With the second <laughs> night of, the, with the second night of the festival winding down, Monfort thought he'd try his luck and approach Melanson only to be quickly rejected. She said, I was with my, and I understand this, this is a good point. She's like, because guys take rejection hard, but sometimes the girl's like, I didn't put this dress on to be hollered at by guys. I put this dress on because I'm, I'm out with my girls. And she goes, that's not how guys take it. I know it's not, but I'm saying that's what she's, this okay. is what she's about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, like, man, fuck you. That dress is ugly anyway. Yeah. Why you, you know, why, why are you here? Why are you here if you don't want guys talking? That's guys yeah. mentality. Yeah. In any situation. Why are you at this gym? Wearing athletic clothes if you don't want to be talked to. Yeah. That's and it's crazy. Yeah. But so she said, uh, get out of here. She said, I was with my girls and I gave him a hard time for not wearing cowboy boots at a country bar. Um Okay. I would have been like, Man, we listen to country. I'm not a fucking cowboy. Why would I have cowboy boots on? I like fucking uh <laughs> I like fucking uh Carrie Underwood. I don't need to wear boots. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sure when you get rejected, you start being like Fucking cow! What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so he was not dissuaded though. Monfort waited before walking up to Melanson one last time and asking her to dance. This time she agreed. Okay. I was gonna get into a whole thing about no means no and all this kind of stuff, but that's a deeper conversation, and I don't yeah. want to be misconstrued. But sometimes persistence isn't like um, there. You're making a girl do. Sometimes you know if you ask a second time, a girl goes, you know what? Okay. Yeah. You know. I, that that that's a very heavy conversation. I don't want to get into it, and it can be misconstrued. So I don't, I don't even want to go into it. Anyway, so he asked her one more time. She said yes, and they talked for hours before exchanging numbers. After I got over him not wearing cowboy boots, she laughed. I thought he was really nice, handsome. What a cheeky little thing! It's like I don't have. Why are you still on that? We survived a tragedy. You still like he didn't have cowboy boots, so he's not a real cowboy. But whatever, I gave him a shot. Anyway, she said after she uh, gave him crap around. The- Is that like a deal breaker for her? She's at a fucking three-day country music festival, yeah. She wants a fucking cowboy, man. Jeez. She wants a cowboy, man. So you have a you have cowboy boots. Spurs, you gotta have a buckle. You gotta have you gotta a, a hat. Uh, help bu- uh, have a, uh, a fucking big-ass belt buckle yeah, on a plaid shirt. In. You gotta go like, hello, Missy, and flip the thing down. He didn't Pull do any of these horse. things, but she's like, you know what? 
I'll give you a chance, I guess. He didn't have a horse, so I didn't want to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> he left his stag at home, but I mean, I guess you come to a country, whatever. I, I, gave him, I didn't give him too much shit. You know, he doesn't know how to hay wrestle, but, you know, whatever. I gave him a chance. Um, so uh, she says she got to talk to him. She, th- she said she realized she thought he was really handsome and nice and tall. And oh, fucking tall shit, man. Yeah. Tall shit, man. Everybody, 6'2", the average height is 5'8". Okay, you're asking for something that is a rarity. So if you're not at least six two, you can't even talk to me. Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here. Men can do that too, but that's not how men are. That's sexist if men do it though, right? You know what? I'm we'll move on. I don't know. Yeah, he was so easy to talk to. It felt like we knew each other forever. Now this is crazy because think, remember where this night goes. Yeah. So they're just having all these people were just having the time of their life, having a good time, listening, fucking, you know, whoever. And shit fucking took a turn, right? Uh, the next night on October 1st, Melanson texted Monfort to join her at the outdoor event to catch the last performances before the festival came to a close. But as, the country, but as country star Jason Aldean wrapped up his show, a series of loud bangs rang out from the 32nd floor of the nearby Mandalay Bay Hotel. A 64-year-old man had broken out the window of his hotel room and was firing bullets from, a high power, from high-powered weapons into the crowd of 22,000 concert goers. This is a 60-year-old man? 64. I know that. Yeah. Uh, they said, we were just listening to the music, having a good time. Until we realized that the noises weren't fireworks. They were gunshots. Then it became, am I going to survive this? How much longer until police can make it to make it? How long until police can make it stop? And how do we get in? And how do we get out of here? Because it's 22,000 people. You all neck to neck. When I, and I've been to a few festivals. And when you're in a crowd like that, the last thing you want is an emergency to happen. Because you're stuck if you have to go pee. Yeah. So imagine now the whole crowd is panicking. Everybody's running different directions. It's chaos. It's yeah. the that's the worst case scenario to be in a crowd of 22,000 people and a fucking bomb goes off, guns start shooting, whatever. Um, um, the, the, the young lady says she thought it was she also thought it was fireworks at the beginning. When I realized what was happening, I started panicking. Uh, Monfort says he instinctively felt compelled to protect Melanson when he recognized what was happening. He said, I felt a sense of responsibility for Chantel. Uh, she was with me and not her friends. I felt like not only did I have to get myself out, but also her. Keeping her calm and getting her out kept her kept me calm and didn't allow me to uh, panic. As bullets flew into the crowd, Monfort did his best to protect Melanson, some, uh, someone he had only known for a day, by guiding through the chaos and out of the concert area. He said, I remember laying on the ground just looking into... Oh, she said, she said I remember look, laying on the ground just looking into Austin's eyes, trying to make sense of everything. Melanson said and she said next thing I knew Austin was holding my hand and we were I mean this is like I fell in love (laughs) I fell in love with this dude in this moment in this moment of chaos I realized like he will protect me from anything and they were holding hands and just trying to get to safety Uh, in all 58 people were killed and over 800 people were injured during the shooting a 59 58 people I remember this but I didn't I don't remember this I mean shot into he didn't even have to aim to hit anybody it was a crowd of people oh yeah man over 800 people were injured and um, 58 people were killed. And a 59th victim died from her injuries in November of 2019. The two stayed with each other for the rest of the night until they had until they said their goodbyes the next morning as Monfort prepared for his uh, return home to San Diego and Melanson back to Canada. They kept in contact over the following months and soon love bloomed from their tragic experience together. 
The two became engaged in March of last year when Melanson visited California. They later married in San Diego in a San Diego courthouse and planned a traditional celebration, but that has been postponed due to the coronavirus pandemic. How the, long was this ago? How long was uh, this? Year? Probably about a year and a half. Oh. Yeah, probably. No, actually, at this point, yeah, it's probably about uh, about three years ago oh. now. Yeah. Um, the couple is currently living in California and has and has documented their emotional journey on their Instagram page. Uh, Melanson said, "I feel safe with him. I didn't want to leave his side." Uh, in many ways, he saved my life that day. So yeah, yeah you just find you, you got to find the darkness in the light. That's man. nice, but she almost not chose him because of the cowboy boots. Yeah, that's true. Look at so how you can, look at how you can that. pass up on your blessings, ladies and gentlemen. You know, like yeah. you, you know, if that girl she's got you know beat up feet, if that dude his neck yeah. his neck is sweaty all the time, like yeah. sometimes sometimes you got to go. Yeah, but is he a good person? Yeah, is she a good person? And let those kind of things go. Something as superficial as cowboy boots, I would have been like, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the funny thing to me. More so, like, you know, a girl being like, "I don't talk to guys that have cowboy boots." It's like, I don't talk to girls that have stupid rules like that. <laughs> so don't. I'm not gonna come back and yeah. try for the last time. She should be thanking him because he could have been like, "Okay, well." He's like, "Okay, well, that's a stupid reason to not like somebody." Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's. Anyway, uh, yeah. Anyways, that was my good vibes. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, you gotta find the darkness and the light, man. Yeah. And now, friend, here's your background music, and if you're ready for your good vibes story. Yeah. I like Whoa. that, man. It's nice settles. Yes, yeah, soothing, man. Did you do this just for me? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my good vibe this week is again another. Uh, we've done like maybe like five to ten stories like this. Sure. So more than four hundred college California college uh, graduates were left overwhelmed with joy and surprise earlier this week, after they were told that an anonymous donor had paid off their student debt. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like these stories. I like when it's they don't the person whoever does it just be like don't yeah I don't want, I don't want me I especially anybody. like that kind of thing now because everybody these kids are so upset that they can't go to a physical graduation yeah, that they yeah, get yeah. some kind of bright light in a time like this you yeah know? so the unidentified uh, benefactors paid off the debt by donating more than eight million to mm. student student rising rising above mm. I want to know who it is eight million dollars yeah but then you find out it's like Jeff Bezos and like that's fucking give more oh they got us a trillionaire close yeah well. I'm, I'm not helping. I ordered a lot of shit from Amazon. I know. <laughs> <laughs> helping this man. It's crazy yeah. how much disgusting how much money he has. <laughs> so a San Francisco-based nonprofit organization that helps um, send low-end, low-income, first-generation college students through college and provide them with personal guidance, mentoring, internships, and career guidance. Despite how 100% SRA students are from low to moderate incomes and 62% are living below the federal the federal poverty line. Mm. However, the average SRA SRA grad finishes school with eight thousand dollars in debt. That's not terrible. I mean, you don't want to be in debt at all, but eight eight thousand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can handle that. Yeah. Uh, with student loans increasingly, well, I guess if you if you come out of coming out of college, and you don't you don't have a good job yet. I mean, that's a, that's a that's a you know that's a uh, that's a two thousand eleven Dodge Dart. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. I can handle but, that. Yeah, but not if you have a dart and then add that on top of that. Now you pay for two dodge darts. Oh yeah, yeah, true. Because <laughs> you got you still got to live. And yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> so with student loans increasingly become a financial burden, SRA is grateful for the opportunity to facilitate relief to our hardworking alumni who become highly productive members of the workforce nationwide," said SRA CEO Elizabeth Devaney, who informed the grads of their relieved debts in a Zoom call this week. It's crazy how everything has worked over Zoom. Like, yeah, Zoom blew up. That Zoom yeah. stock went through the roof. If you got the tip on Zoom six months ago, 
Made a lot of money, man. Yeah, yeah. So Kimberly Armstrong, who owed three hundred thousand and law school debt. That's that. That yeah. ain't eight thousand dollars. No, that ain't eight thousand dollars. <laughs> that sounds about. That sounds more. Of, Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Three hundred thousand uh, dollars. Yeah. That's a house in a moderately pricey neighborhood. That's like a. That's like a nice house. That's crazy. Mm. $300,000, you just got that for debt. just education. Yep. Just one of the SRA students who has been free from financial burden thanks to the generous donation. I mean, that is Oh, yeah, like, that's kiss the that floor. That's big. Yes. 8000 is like, whoo, man, that's, that's like, great. Like, tell me who this person is so I can tell them thank you, yeah. at least. Yeah. 300000 that's a life-changing weight off your back. Yep. Mm. Um, she told that KPIX, it's a shock, it's amazing, it's a relief, Um, though literally it's just a weight lifted. Yes. Dr. Zachary Tab, who owed 160000 in the medical school debt, agreed um, with the sentiment. It's life-changing. I've had debt really my entire adult life. So it's just something that everywhere you go, it follows you, he told reporters. It's really a generation generational impact, which is wild. Yeah. Um, to completely unburden myself and all of them has a real... Um, multi- what is it? Multiplicative effort. Oh yeah, sure. I uh, guess <laughs> not only yeah. on my fellow SRA. But scholars. no, that makes sense. That makes sense though, because like yeah. people will not have kids if they have too much in debt. It's like it's not a good time to have kids. Like that's the thing where you go, I could start my family ten years earlier than I planned on doing it because that freed me up so much. Like if I die, that passes on to somebody else. Yeah, man, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. Shout out to whoever is kind of anticlimactic. Is like who? Shout out to whoever that was. Yeah, three hundred thousand dollars is just like is SRA. What school is that? SRA. No, SRA was the was the um. It's like a program. It's called uh, Student Rising Above. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what school is this? Does it say? It wasn't a school. Huh? Oh, it was just, it was to that program. This yeah. program like helps it, kids it was just get California out of debt or college graduates. Got it, got it, yeah, got yeah. it. And they use this program to like, get, you know, get out of debt or whatever, or, whatever, or yeah. they, yeah, something help, like, it's like a, it's like a. Help pay, help kids pay down their debt. Sure. And, and this person donated. Yeah. And it's probably like a Rolodex of students too. Like it, students rising above. It's like, oh, okay, here's a list of people who graduated college and yeah. they i'm gonna pay all these people's debts yeah got it cool okay yeah, yeah. very kind very kind eight million dollars it's a crazy amount of money just go you know there you go yeah no big time um yeah no uh, so good vibes are needed more than ever right now so good thing uh that those two stories were able to get shared to with all of you listeners um like i said uh this will be the new format of the show a little bit more um live kind of radio-ish yeah uh, you know uh, I'm, I'm open to feedback from people for the music as far as you know if they like it or not but if fran likes it and i like it might keep it but if if it's just if it's just pure outrage like no keep the same music and i don't want to you know it's such a small thing like, oh, we could keep, we could keep yeah. it i guess mm-hmm. but you know um well we're open to hearing how you know if people you know enjoy the new music i'd like to hear about that and uh you know with that being said i've been alvin williams joined as always by my partner in true crime franco evans and uh we'll see you guys next week deuces
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 